The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Standing committee for today, Thursday, February 9th, 2023. Uh, Madam Clerk, will you please call the roll? Yes, Mr. Chair. Council President Pro Tem Tate. Here. Council Member Durhal III. Member Durhal indicated that he would be behind today, but he is on his way. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Council Member Johnson. Present. Mr. Chair, you do have a quorum. We have a quorum, which means we're now in session, uh, colleagues. Uh, Member Johnson, my apologies for my tardiness this morning. Life uh, sometimes gets in the way. Uh, but is there a moment? Is there a motion to approve the minutes, please? Motion. Seeing no objections, we shall approve the minutes. Uh, right now, if there's anyone who would like to speak, we have, just let you know we have a few public hearings today. Uh, but before we go into those public hearings, we'd like to jump into public comments. Or so if there's anyone from the public who would like to speak, please raise your hand now. If there's anyone from the public, please raise your hand now. If you want to speak, going once. Going twice again. This is for general public comment. Going three times. Collection of general public comments have now closed. I do see that we have a gentleman here in the uh, committee of the whole. We'll allow him to go first, and then we'll go to our virtual speakers. I will give everyone uh, two minutes for general public comment today, and we'll wait until the clock is up. All right, and we'll let the gentleman go first. Uh, please introduce yourself for the record, and the floor is yours. My name is Robert Carmick. Good morning, council people. I uh, came here on the Revere Dock property that was authorized uh, last week. That property uh, fell into the river, contaminated the water, which the water is federal water, which the city of Detroit or Erickson or Revere Copper Dock has no jurisdiction over the property. They contaminated the property. They had a development agreement. In the development agreement, they had four years to develop the property. They never developed the property. They never followed through on the development. They didn't put $8 million in the property. Matter of fact, they were supposed to put a seawall on the first month. That was in 2015. That dock fell into the river with $20 million worth of environmental problems. It had uh, arsenic. It had uh, nuclear waste. It had lead. It had every kind of uh, every kind of environmental issue there was. I'm asking you to investigate the development agreement they had that they were supposed to do. It was in the package that I sent you to, and and so was the video of the collapse. That is a major issue. All that stuff went in people's drinking water. Children. Grandfathers, grandmas, your mom, dad. It went east and west. All I'm asking you to do is investigate that development agreement and what they were supposed to do. That's all. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we'll now turn to our virtual public comments. But before we do that, we'd like to call the 1010 public hearing and recess it to call the chair. Mr. Singletary, good morning, sir. 
How are you? Good morning, Mr. Chamwell, and yourself? Not bad, not bad. How many callers do we have, and who do we have first, sir? Mr. Chair, we have eight hands raised via Zoom, first beginning with Ms. Tahira Ahmad. All right. Ms. Tahira Ahmad, good morning. You have two minutes. The floor is yours. Good morning, and thank you. Um, I'm representing Detroit Affordable Housing Task Force, and we are vehemently opposed to another billionaire scheme and theft of our public land and resources that are needed to support our schools, libraries, stolen homes, wealth, and rental resources. The Ross Illich ripoff team and schemes has only enriched these billionaires while costing poor Detroiters prime land and resources for generations to come. Detroit used to be the largest black home ownership of the U in the United States after the theft of $600 million of illegal property taxes and thousands of legacy homes stolen through legal illegal foreclosures. Now Detroit is the largest renter city in the United, black renter city in the United States. Yet billionaires keep begging for more welfare. They got billions of dollars. Uh, black renters, need more money and support. We need you to vote no on this brownfield deal and give us a chance to at least be able to use the resources that we have and save our children and their and their resources for them, not for these billionaires. They can come out their pocket and buy this property out their pocket. Why do we have to put our children, our, our next generation uh, wealth on the line? They're still, they, they still have properties they have not developed. The city council, I want you to vote no. Stand up for our children. Illages have hundreds of properties uh, left sitting, undeveloped. They have never respected, honored, or fulfilled their uh, other com community benefits agreements. We demand you fulfill your prior agreements, uh, Illages, plus pay reparations. We want to preserve the land for our next generation and other more lucrative pro uh, projects. Illages, we. Thank you so much, ma'am. Next caller, please. The next caller is D2, victimized Detroit retiree. D2, victimized Detroit retiree. Thank you for joining us. You have two minutes. The floor is yours. Hello? Yes, ma'am. We can hear you. Yeah, good morning to you. Um, um, I want to talk about um, that presentation that Mr. Nagelik gave yesterday. I don't understand how he could make any, uh, without having three graphs, I don't understand how he could make the, uh, you know, the comments that he made about how many years it's going to take and, you know, for the legacy um, or tier two retirees to be fully funded when we should have been fully funded, you know, as it goes. So how can, and, and then you got people that are going to be tired in between there. Maybe they had five years in the first system and they got 25. So they're going to be retiring too. So you can't just make one graph and then you got police and fire. Now they're not, you, you said they're fully funded, so they can't be on that graph. Not you, but you know. So they cannot be in that same graph. So that was not a, a, a an accurate um, uh, depiction of what's going on. So, you know, some people stupid, but not me. Now, so we want to see um, that redone. He needs to come back with something better than that. You know, one other thing right quick. Um, um, audits. 
every department needs an audit. The risk, it shouldn't take five years for an audit. By the time you get through an audit, everything's lost. Um, uh, oh, like Mr. Carmack said, that, that uranium, actually it has a thousand year life. <laughs> thousand years, it's not, gonna, it's not going anywhere. So they're trying, I know you guys have been trying to bury it and all that crap, but it doesn't matter. It still could take a thousand years. Not 10, not 100. We got a 1,000 years for that uranium. So we need to do something about that. And investment. How come we're, haven't we invested some of that legacy funds? It can't be stagnant. And we can't take 100. Thank you so much. Our next caller, please. The next caller is Mr. Cunningham. Mr. Cunningham, good morning. Thank you for joining us. The floor is yours, sir. Honorable Vice President, City Council, sir. I have a young lady named Margaret that wants to come piggyback off of me. I tried to do her Zoom, it didn't work out. Is that possible, sir? We will allow that this morning. Wow, appreciate you. And the two minutes to speak and doing public comment first. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Margaret. So everyone at home, the number is 313. 444-9114. Again, that number is 313-444-9114. 313-444-9114. On Facebook, for Subservience Cunningham. I appreciate the phone calls because I'm asking you under the sound of my voice to board the buses yourself and take the bus wherever you need to go, especially after 6 p.m. There's the keywords after 6 p.m. The keyword after six words, 6 p.m. on the weekdays and on the weekends, please. And don't be shy when you're on the coaches. Pass out your card, shake hands, talk to people, get their story. Uh, don't be shy. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and the sound mind. I'm asking you at home to ride the coaches after 6 p.m. on the weekdays and on the weekends. Um, also talked about... Um, Bikes, bikes, and more bikes. We need donated bikes in the city since gas has gone up, et cetera. This is the perfect time to purchase an organization to purchase bikes because it's the off season. Um, also, uh, council member, Vice President Tate, what about giving out bus tickets and validating parking when people come down to council meetings, the community meeting, or whatever? Is that possible to rely on them just to explore that? Because that's a hurdle for some people. And I'd actually to pray for my mother, show my reliance on Rivers of Ghost Point, and myself, Cunningham. The Lord knows who we are. Chant, pray in the Holy Spirit, drink a lot of water. Sorry to cut off your, your prayer, um, Mr. Cunningham, but we again have to make sure that we give everyone two minutes. I want to make sure you are allowed to, uh, for your your... Uh, the individual that you have with you to also give their public comments. So we'll turn your uh, mic back on, and if you can pass the phone over to your uh, passenger. Just tell them your name, that you vote, and about the bus service. That's what they want to know. Okay, my name is Margaret Burks. I am a Detroit voter, and the bus service... They are okay. They just need to get a little better on the cleanliness and timing what kind of things have you seen dirty vibes dirty vibe is just like the seats look like somebody pooped or not as clean as it should be like they like after service they need someone to come do it 
but it's not as bad. It's getting a little better than what it used to be because it used to be horrible. How you doing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Ma'am, do you have the, the, the bus, the number of the bus and the, the route and the time just so we can copy that and get back to the department? The route that I was on was 40, the Russell bus. It was a, a used thing that a, a gentleman and a woman used together. That's what made me start riding because it was like, dang, afterwards, the, the driver could at least, you know, check the service after once the people got off there, make sure the bus is clean because it was, it was nasty. It was in the back of the bus. It was a used thing. It was a used condom. And that's what made me start using the bus because it was just unsanitary. And I was just like, nah, I could be touching somebody come on, touching the pole while trying to sit down. So. I use Uber or Mr. Cunningham or whoever around me to get home because the city bus just, mm -hmm, it's just not. I used to be a rider. I used to ride it from the east side to the west side of Troy. I don't take the bus not, not a second, not a minute. I don't know, not me. I told you they wouldn't buy. All right. Is it all, ma'am? All right. Thank you so much. We did copy the information. Yeah. Um, but I just want to make it very clear that the bus drivers are not the ones responsible for the maintenance. Uh, they are, as you noted, uh, going from, you know, uh, from, from location to location. But at a certain point in time, they do take those uh, vehicles back to the uh, bus station for maintenance and get it clean. Um, and you just noted that it appears that we may have to look at different practices and see if we can get those buses in there a little bit sooner to get them uh, cleaned and get back on the road. So your information has been noted. We did get the time, location, and the route, and uh, we will pass that information on and see what we can do to better address that concern. Thank you for participating today. And before we go further, I'd like to call the 1020 public hearing and recess it to the call of the chair. Mr. Singletary, who do we have next, sir? Mr. Chair, the next caller we have is caller ending in 534. Caller ending in 534. Thank you for joining us. The floor is yours. You have two minutes. Yes, good morning. May I be heard? We can hear you. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Thank you for two minutes. Um, <clears throat> uh, I wish we would pay the bus drivers more. They really deserve more money. Um, and I think we'd have a better system because not only do they need to ha just have a CDL license, they need to have some per people skills. So we need to support our bus drivers. And we, we have a litter problem all over the city. The litter problem is so bad, we got a bunch of dirt and debris under the soil. So it's very serious. We need to take the litter problem seriously. Also, I'm very concerned there's a competency hearing going on right now in 36th District Court about a person who set a number of houses on fire, including mine. Unfortunately, the police aren't taking that too seriously. Very disappointing. I also um, would like to urge you to slow down on this uh, District Detroit thing, it just seems like billionaires and millionaires get all these breaks, and what about the little people? 
Also, I will be speaking about the public hearing about the Neighborhood Enterprise Zone for Avanis. Again, that was a secretly planned development. I'm now being told it was Donald Wrencher and the mayor who did the handshake. Didn't care at all about real community engagement, despite the the mayor's crocodile words to us that we would be engaged in an inclusive and sensitive manner that our questions would get answered. And that hasn't happened. And so we're not, I'm not against development. I'm not even against working with Avanis, but why can't we all sit down together and plan together instead of create so much animosity and division in our neighborhood? Thank you so much, ma'am. Uh, Madam Clerk, will you please note that we have been joined by Member Vice Chair Durhall. Good morning, sir. All right, next caller, please. I'm sorry, the clerk was so note. Thank you, ma'am. The next caller is Motor City Rue. Motor City Rue, the floor is yours. You have two minutes. General public comment. Hey, uh, Chairman James E. Hey, you know, um, you need to talk to James E. White over there at the police department about their mountain bikes, the uh, $1,600 ones they pay for 50 bikes, $1,600, $80,000 contract, 50 bikes. And uh, I want to bring up budget audit and finance hearing that I attended yesterday. Uh, Chairman Hall, you chairman of that committee, but you on this committee as well. I'm totally disenchanted and disappointed uh, in you letting that deputy CFO, uh, John Neglick, get up there. They, the CFO's office just put out a report saying the city of Detroit was $2.3 billion in bond debt, and Joker got up there yesterday, got the misrepresenting the facts. Instead of talking about the refunding bonds that Mr. Sheldon brought up, he started talking about revenue bonds, switching up to, you know, semantics. And then flat out said we wasn't over the debt limit. $2.3 billion three weeks ago. Yesterday, we, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Now, for you to allow, as chairman, allow that type of BS to be, you know, put forth. And you sat there, you and Coleman Young, and um, Ramirez, Councilwoman Ramirez, and y'all let this financial wizardry be explained uh, insufficiently. I'm uh, I'm on a quest to look for the wizard of Detroit. There's some wizard here that's got some magic pen that uh, creates value and erases debt in the blink of an eye. I don't know how to do it, but we're going to find out and we're going to get straight to it. Now, James E. Tate and uh, Fred Durall, right now I'm joining that recall campaign against Scott Benson. And then I'm going to encourage them after Benson is dealt with to come at y'all and do y'all because I'm totally disenfranchised, disappointed by the Thank you so much. And just for the record, our colleague's name is member Santiago Romero. So next time, please make sure you get it right. Next caller, please. The next caller is Miss or Mr. Ette Garth. It's Ette Garth, thank you for joining us. The floor is yours. You have two minutes. Good morning. Um, my name is Ette Garth, by the way. Um, I am a 40 plus resident of the North End. Um, I just want to call in and let you guys know that I do approve the North End Landing Project. Um, but I also want to make sure and ensure that we also have a for sale component um, within that project. 
unlike the project that is coming up on my street, which is Horton, um, which, which I was told was supposed to be a force project and I was supposed to be turned into like a rental uh, project, which I don't agree with, but that's a whole nother story. Um, I would like to say once again, I am in agreement with the North End Landing project um, that's coming up on Smith. I am a 40 plus year resident. Uh, my parents owned Garth Realty. I am a landowner, parcel owner. Um, my family still lives in the neighborhood and um, I'm for the project. That's pretty much all I wanted to say. All right, thank you, Ms. Itegar. Thank you. I thought that was you uh, when I heard that name. If, if you would, please give us a call in the office, 224-1027. Uh, Man, my mind this morning. <laughs> give us a call, and we can uh, get a, a bit more of that information that you want to provide to us as we move forth with uh, different parts of the project. Thanks again for joining us. Next caller, please. The next caller is Ms. Carol Hughes. Ms. Carol Hughes, thank you for joining us. The floor is yours. You have two minutes. Ms. Carol Hughes, are you there? Uh, good morning. Good morning, Honorable Body. Uh, may I speak? Good morning. You can. <clears throat> um, you're all looking very prosperous today. At any rate, I'm calling to object to 10.6 which I believe is illegal and discriminatory. I don't think that it's, we have 27,000 people that are in danger of being evicted. I don't see any of you handling any of that. What, did, what are your plans to handle that? Not just lawyers. That's just another way for another group to make money off of the misery of the people in the city of Detroit. You need to go to the chief and tell the chief that he needs to obey the the ordinance. And I saw a report the other day of um, a family, a woman who was strong-armed by a man who's going around the city telling people that they have to get out of their houses. Um, I think we need to get in front of this, so you need to bring Chief White to the table and ask him how is he handling this because the people should call the police before they before someone gets hurt. Because I'm not telling anybody or showing anybody any papers that I have. I know that. I'll show them something else, but not my papers. Uh, I am also calling about uh, um, uh, TIFs. I, I, I think we need to have a moratorium on TIFs because they're carving up this city, and we don't know what's what. People are making promises, and we don't know uh, if they're following through. I know that they're not. But that's your job to make sure that people are following through on what they say they're going to do instead of having Mr. Gulak bring all of these um, uh, discussions about planning and approvals of brownfields and NEZs. I think we need to take care of the people that are here and because you seem to be just the rubber stamp for the billionaires and um, the mayor. So do something for the people. Thank you. Thank you. And before we go forward, like to uh, like to call the 10:30 public hearing and recess it to the call of the chair, uh, Mr. Singletary. Who do we have next? The final caller is caller ending in 711. Noting there was one more caller that raised their hand after public comment had concluded. All right. Thank you, sir. Caller ending in 711. Thank you for joining us. You have two minutes. The floor is yours. Good morning. I'm Malik Shelton. Yesterday, 
Jan, uh, excuse me, John Naglick, the deputy CFO for the city of Detroit, came before Fred Durhall's uh, committee. And he said at the Michigan Transportation Fund line, he, he confessed, he admitted that the, trans, that the Michigan Transportation Fund bonds are revenue bonds. And then he lied and misled Fred Hall. He misled you, as well as the listeners and the residents, by saying that revenue bonds do not require notices or referendum to the taxpayers. He cannot be in that position for that long. If he's that ignorant of our revenue bonds, he shouldn't be in that position. And if he knows and he told you that, then he's lying to you. That's why I kept asking you to let me say one thing to him. I could have exposed him right away on the spot yesterday, but you wouldn't let me say anything. Okay, so I'm saying it now. Revenue bonds require notice and referendum to the residents and taxpayers. That is under, take your pen out if necessary. Maybe you got a good memory. The Revenue Bond Act, the Michigan Revenue Bond Act, 94, section 141.133. It explains very clearly that when you issue a revenue bond, when a municipality issues a revenue bond in the state of Michigan, it must put a notice of intent to issue that revenue bond in a newspaper of general circulation, i.e. Detroit News Free Press. Thank you so much. And I believe our member, Vice Chair, would like to address the comment. Member Vice Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And just really quickly again, uh, just for the public to know, Mr. Shelton, you weren't allowed to speak yesterday during the committee, as is customary. Uh, unless you are a presenter uh, or from a particular entity, uh, your comments were reserved for public comments, which we took yesterday and let you hear. Uh, and then we even went a step further. Uh, you submitted a letter, a couple letters to us yesterday, and we made a motion to get an opinion on your letters uh, and send them uh, to the, uh, the clerk. Uh, and so we are doing everything we can to get your uh, questions answered. Uh, and we are going to bring that issue back in the Budget Finance and Audit Subcommittee to have a response to the letters that you submitted. So we're doing all we can uh, relative in, in that matter. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Vice Chair. And this now closes out general public comment. I would like to now enter into the discussion, the 1005 discussion. Is there, are there any taxing jurisdictions that are present that would like to discuss the fiscal impact of the approval of the amended and restated brownfield plan of the Detroit uh, City of Detroit Brownfield Redevelopment Authority for Danish Brotherhood Hall Redevelopment. That is the uh, public hearing that we're about to uh, begin shortly after this discussion. Are there any taxing jurisdictions present, either online or in person? Seeing none, we shall close out that 10.05 discussion. I'd like to now bring back to order the 1010 public hearing. Will the parties who are participating please queue up? The 1010 public hearing is regarding the approval, a request of approval of the Brownfield Plan for the City of Detroit Brownfield Redevelopment Authority for Danish Brotherhood Hall Redevelopment. 
The parties who are participating, when you see yourself on the screen, please introduce yourself for the record. Good morning, Cora Kapler, the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation and the Detroit Brownfield Redevelopment, Redevelopment Authority. Um, and through the chair, if I may just make one note about the 1005 discussion, it's not an amended and restated Brownfield plan. This is the first, um, the first approval for this plan. So I'm clear just, thank you. Clerk, uh, the clerk shall note. Thank you. Yes, sir. Next. Good morning, Mr. Chair. Derek Head, LPD. Good morning, sir. Morning, Mr. Chair. Philip Lockwood, XYZ Development, lead developer of the Danish Brotherhood Hall project. Good morning. All right, uh, Ms. Kappa, would you like to begin? Yes, thank you. Is it all right if I share my screen? Uh, yes, ma'am. Thank you. All right, first, um, I'll begin with briefly describing what a brownfield plan is. So a brownfield plan uses tax increment financing or TIF to reimburse developers for costs that they have to pay to redevelop land and properties that they wouldn't otherwise have to pay if they were to develop on an undeveloped property, say outside of the city. TIF is used to help level the playing field and encourage the redevelopment of contaminated, blighted, obsolete and historic properties within the city. At its simplest, TIF works by freezing taxes at the current undeveloped value of the property, which continues to be paid by the developer and received by all taxing entities. Um, and that is shown by the darker blue on this graph, um, starting in year one <clears throat> through year 30 of the plan. The developer captures the increase in property taxes from the renovated property to be paid back over several years for costs they paid related to environmental cleanup, demolition, obsolete utilities, and other eligible expenses. And that is shown by the lighter blue, almost teal color um, in years one through 30 of the plan. Once the approved eligible costs under the plan are repaid, the Brownfield plan sunsets and the full taxes for the property are received by all the government entities as shown in years 31 through 33 with the full tax capture going to all um, taxing jurisdictions. XYZ 20-01 DBH LLC is the project developer for this plan, which consists of two parcels, 1775 and 1785 West Forest Avenue which are located on the south side of West Forest Avenue between Rosa Parks Boulevard and Avery Street in the Woodbridge neighborhood. The property is eligible uh, to be included in a brownfield plan because 1775 West Forest is a historic resource and 70, 1785 West Forest has determined to be a facility, meaning that there is contamination present on the property. The property was developed as the Florian Apartments in 1911 stores and flats in 1913 and the Danish Brotherhood Hall in 1915. The Florian Apartments stores and flats at 1785 West Forest Avenue were removed in the early 2000s. <clears throat> Historical uses include a laundry, clothes presser, cleaner and tailor in 1921 and 1940. The property is currently vacant and was last used as a church around 2010. The property includes the redevelopment of the former Fraternal Hall building at 1775 West Forest into a multi-use community event space with three small commercial spaces as well as two short-term rental units. The total investment for this project is estimated to be 8.2 million 
and the developer is requesting tax increment financing or TIF reimbursement of approximately $1,416,445. Eligible activities include department-specific activities to address contamination, demolition, lead and asbestos abatement, infrastructure improvements, site preparation, a request for interest, and the development, preparation, and implementation of a brownfield plan and Act 381 work plan. The developer is not pursuing additional incentives for this project. There will be approximately 32 temporary construction jobs and 27 permanent jobs are expected to be created by the project. The DBRA held a local public hearing on Monday, January 9th, 2023 via Zoom conferencing and the minutes from that meeting were included in the submission to City Council. And this concludes the DBRA's presentation to the honorable body. Thank you. Thank you. Who would like to continue? Uh, I'm happy to uh, give further information about the project, uh, but thank you very much to Cora for the, the detailed rundown of our Brownfield plan and the Danish Brotherhood Hall. Uh, so again, good morning, Pro Tem Tate and this honorable body. I'm Philip Lockwood with XYZ Developments, uh, again, lead developer of the 1915 built former Danish Brotherhood Hall project at the corner of Rosa Parks Boulevard and West Forest Avenue in Woodbridge. The Danish Brotherhood Hall is a 16,000 square foot adaptive reuse and preservation effort, which converts a vacant blighted structure from a neighborhood liability into a new community asset. The renovated hall will feature a 200 person banquet space, three small commercial storefronts and two hotel style rental guest rooms. Construction plans include streetscape improvements and accessibility measures to ensure those with mobility issues and other disabilities feel welcome at the hall. To avoid adding new surface parking, the team was careful uh, to elevate the use of existing parking infrastructure in the neighborhood by pursuing a timed lease agreement for an underutilized 108 space uh, lot currently controlled by the Detroit Public Schools Community District. Negotiations for that parking agreement are ongoing. Renovation of the hall will work alongside a, an adjacent 60 unit construction development with affordable housing led by XYZ in a placemaking effort to reactivate this vacant stretch of Woodbridge. The total cost of restoring this beautiful but dilapidated structure is over $8 million. This investment is significant and will create over 32 construction jobs. XYZ is working closely with our general contractor, Lockwood Construction, to ensure Detroit minority and women-based enterprises benefit from this investment. Having completed a number of build-outs for MISHTA, the, the Michigan State Housing Development Authority, Lockwood Construction holds a long track record of meeting state and locally mandated participation requirements. Over 35% of the Danish Brotherhood Hall's construction contracts worth approximately $1.64 million will be awarded to Detroit-based laborers. These trades include demolition, plumbing, electrical, masonry, and painting. Once completed, operations of the hall will create 27 living wage jobs. Our business plan carries a minimum wage of over $20 an hour, which is double the current state mandated minimum wage. Upper level positions at the hall range from a, an annual salary of $85,000 to $110,000. This insistence on providing living wage jobs for our employees is in line with XYZ's triple bottom line mission, aiming to balance project viability with its social impacts while remaining environmentally responsible. 
The team has presented the project to relevant community groups, including the Woodbridge Neighborhood Development Corporation and the Woodbridge Citizens Council. We've also met with neighbors directly adjacent to the site, having provided a tour to both. To my understanding, the community is generally excited to see this vacant structure be brought back to life. So in conclusion, the Danish Brotherhood Hall restoration is aspirational, but it is challenging. Construction costs are high and interest rates have continued to rise. To realize this impactful project, I'm here today requesting the vital assistance of the Planning and Economic Development Committee and the Detroit Brownfield Redevelopment Authority. Please support Woodbridge and help make this project a reality. Uh, that's all I have. Thank you for your time, and I'm happy to field any further questions as well. Thank you. Uh, we'll get right back to you shortly, but next up will be Mr. Head. Mr. Head. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Through the chair, this project is incentivized through the Brownfield Redevelopment Financing Act 381 of 1996, which provides tax incentives in the form of tax increment financing to develop brownfield properties in the area at on which there has been a release or a threat of release or disposal of a hazardous substance. XYZ 20-01 DBH LLC is a project developer of the Danish Brotherhood Hall Brownfield Redevelopment Plan. The eligible property consists of two parcels located at 1775 and 1785 West Forest. The property is located on the south side of West Forest Avenue between Rosa Parks Boulevard and Avery Street in the Woodbridge neighborhood. The development is located in the Woodbridge Historic Rehabilitation Neighborhood Enterprise Zone and the Woodbridge Neighborhood Historic District. The developer plans to renovate the former Fraternal Hall building at 1775 West Forest Avenue to create a multiple use community event space and use the adjacent property at 1785 West Forest Avenue for parking. Uh, the building which was constructed in 1915 has been vacant since the early 2000 and has fallen in disrepair. It is anticipated that the project will create 27 full-time jobs and 32 temporary construction jobs. Today, the developer is requesting a $1,416,445 TIF reimbursement with the overall value of the plan estimated at $1,782,986, which includes local brownfield costs. The estimated capital investment for this project is approximately $8.2 million. The property is considered an eligible property as defined by Act 381 because the property was previously utilized for a commercial or residential purpose, it is located within the city of Detroit, which is a qualified governmental unit under Act 381. The parcel at 1785 West Forest was determined to be a facility in accordance to Part 201 of the Michigan Natural Resources and Environmental Protection Act. And the parcel at 1775 West Forest Avenue is a historic resource because it is a contributing structure to the Woodbridge Historic District, which is listed in the National Register of Historic Places. Moving right along, in addition to the taxes that will be captured, there will be additional taxes generated but not captured. And those taxes that will be generated and not captured will be 
will go to the Detroit Zoo in the amount of $2,773, the DIA at $5,546, uh, to City Debt Service in the amount of $249,585, and to School Debt in the amount of $360,512, which totals $618,417 that will not be captured. And Mr. Chair, that concludes my report, and I thank you. Thank you, Mr. Head. All right, we'll now open up for questions, comments, concerns uh, from colleagues. Colleagues, uh, the floor is now yours. Any questions, concerns, comments regarding this particular project? And I've got a few of them. I, I do know, in speaking with uh, residents in the in the area, they indicate that um, event space and meeting space is definitely um, at, a, at a a need. There's a need for it in the area. Can you talk to us a little bit about outside of it being just a rental space? Is there any opportunity for residents, neighbors, community associations in the area to also utilize the space for community meetings? And if so. Talk to us a little bit about how that will work out. Mr. Lockwood. Yeah, um, so what originally attracted me to this hall, this building, was it has a beautiful double height space. It was once a, a church congregation um, after that it was a, a social hall. Um, and so while we do have to keep the lights on with um, uh, paid events such as weddings and, and fundraisers and um, corporate conferences and such, uh, that won't fill the bulk of the use or the availability of the hall. And so in our business plan, we specifically have discounted rates for community-based organizations um, and neighbors to use the space. Um, so uh, we, we want to make this a, a public gathering place. And so, again, we, we, we have it in our business plan to make it available to, to neighbors. Um, but beyond that, we do have the, <clears throat> the storefronts, the commercial space, which, uh, again, we're hoping to have neighborhoods serving uh, uses, uh, <clears throat> tenants, commercial tenants in that space. So beyond the actual meeting hall, um, we, we hope to have uh, it, things that uh, will we'll bring people together through commerce, um, specifically on, on the forest stretch of the building. Okay, and I, and I appreciate that response. And I know you mentioned discount rate. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what the normal rate is and what that discounted rate would look like. Yeah, um, those are details I don't have exactly in front of me, but um, a, a full night of rental for a wedding uh, in this event space would be in the thousands of dollars, uh, whereas the the discounted rate that we have for um, for neighborhood associations is really just enough to cover the costs uh, associated with renting out that space for, for that time. So um, the minimal cost to, to cover the, the expense of employees' wages and the energy costs uh, keeping the space on. Um, again, I don't have it, uh, those numbers in front of me right now, but um, I can assure you it's, it's the, minimum, the minimum charge to the community to just cover our, our basic costs, but not necessarily profit from them using the space. All right, thank you. And, and you know, again, I, I, I'm a guy who loves to see these older buildings being brought back into uh, productive use. And certainly by this building being as old as it is, uh, it needs some TLC for sure. And you got to make sure you keep the lights on and uh, do the things necessary to 
uh, give it the continuing love that it needs so that it never gets back in that situation again. Uh, if this item is approved and sent out today, we'll be back before the full body on Tuesday. Uh, do you think you would be able to get to us by then the rates and discounted rates? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, that, that exists somewhere. Um, I just uh, apologize. I don't have them at my fingertips at the moment, but I will follow up with uh, your office and Mr. Singletary and get that information over to you immediately. Okay. All right. And just last question. How, how do you plan to communicate to the community uh, at large that this venue is available for that use? Hmm. Um, you know, community outreach, once we're operational, is uh, it's a plan that's still taking shape. Um, I do know Woodbridge, it's a tight community, and just seeing that this building has new windows and has been under construction for a year is going to uh, pique a lot of people's interests and let them know that it's now reactivated. Um, but, uh, you know, we will have signage to, to keep people up to date on what's going on at the hall. And, of course, we will craft a, an online presence um, to, to keep people engaged. But um, it's, it is still taking shape. All right. Thank you. Colleagues, any further? Uh, Member Vice Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair, <clears throat> and uh, good morning to you all. Uh, so I... I get it and interested to see those numbers as well, what that looks like as far as rental is concerned. Uh, and, and I guess from what I'm hearing, though, that's for like, let's say communities want to throw an evening event. Uh, but what does the what does that look like or what are the ideas behind, uh, let's say, a community wants to hold a community meeting there? Uh, not necessarily an event. An, an event. And, and I get it. You got to keep the lights on. You got to pay for staff, security, uh, whatever. But... What does that look like relative to the community meeting there? I know a lot of developments, and I'll use just one for instance, uh, in our district, uh, in my district, uh, the Carpenter and Millwright Center, uh, they allow the community to use that space for free for their community meetings, which happen once a month, right? Uh, so just, you know, are there going to be costs incorporated for those meetings if they're just like meetings and they request to have a meeting there? Um, well, as I spoke to earlier, um, was, was more if, if the community wanted to hold an event where there might be um, food served at the event and, and some significant expenditures on the part of the hall. But in terms of just having a, a space to get together for an hour or two, you know, that, that's something that I hope we'll be able to provide to the community almost free of cost. Um, it's, it's not something that I have factored in as uh you know generating revenue in our business plan but i could see it being a, a pretty pretty minimal fixed fee of you know say fifty dollars for for three hours um for for the community to to meet and use our space and again that that amount would be just to cover things like um you know the energy costs and the heating and cooling costs of the space for that time but um you know we, we have a lot of space in this building um, and, and again, we have to generate the revenue to, to keep, keep the lights on, so to speak. Um, but I don't anticipate us being so booked that we can't find time to open up the hall to the community at a, at a pretty aggressive uh, cost or you know, a, a, as low a cost as, as possible. Just to follow up through you, Mr. Chair. Uh, and, and again, I, you know, I know uh, we are considering this. You know, again, I would just... Uh, kind of strongly urge uh, 
you know, to, to kind of have that relationship with the community. I know many times residents call in and they talk about these brownfield and tax abatements that we give. Uh, and I think a great way, you know, as a suggestion to partner with the community is allow them into the space for which, uh, as they put, their tax dollars are paying for. So uh, I, I think it's a great idea meeting-wise. I can understand events uh, where they're hosting and maybe making money off of, uh, of an event. I, event, I, I get that. Uh, but again, what I've seen with some other developments, you know, and again, just a suggestion, when they incorporate and engage that community into those developments and let's say allow community meetings, that partnership becomes stronger. Uh, within the community. So that would just be a suggestion that I have. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you for that suggestion. I, I, I hope to make this space uh, a true heart of the community. Uh, Woodbridge, we have a lot of single family homes and there's a vibrant street life. But aside from, you know, a coffee shop or, or the church, uh, there aren't a, a, whole no, a whole lot of options for gathering uh, a significant number of people. So um, thank you that uh, suggestion all right thank you member johnson thank you mr chair uh, mr lockwood can you talk about any community engagement that has taken place thus far i know we've received some letters of support and i'm not sure if anyone is going to call in for public comment but can you kind of talk about any uh engagement conversations how the community uh views this project yeah yeah absolutely um, so it is a fairly vacant corner. Um, there's really only one home that's uh, directly engaged with the hall and that's directly across the street. Um, I've made a, an effort to reach out to that neighbor specifically because they will be uh, so, so impacted by uh, reactivation of the hall. Um, my understanding is that they're excited to see this, uh, this piece of blights directly across from their home have a new life. Um, and, and to have the opportunity to interact with the hall. Um, but beyond that, my main points of contact with the community have been through the Woodbridge Citizens Council. Um, I, I'm not sure if she made it this meeting or not, but we, um, a representative of the council has, has written um, a letter of support uh, on behalf of the council, is my understanding. Um, but the Woodbridge Citizens Council, they meet monthly and they discuss developments and, and I've presented to them and also hosted them for a tour of the hall, which um, the hall is in quite a state of disrepair. Um, so I wish there was more to show them, uh, but it was an opportunity to, to talk through the vision and, and just familiarize them with the space. And then lastly, I stay in pretty constant contact with the Woodbridge uh, Development Corporation. And they not only do development in the neighborhood, but they host a number of uh, community-based services and events. They host a, a movie night in the park um, uh, minor uh, home repair grants and that sort of thing. So um, they have been my, my liaison to, to staying in touch with the community. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. All right, we'll now go, any there's additional questions, colleagues? Seeing none, we shall go to public comment and we will give one minute public comments for all of the public hearings today. Uh, if there's anyone who would like to provide public comment for the 1010 public hearing, again, that's line item six, the presentation that you just saw, uh, please raise your hand now. If you'd like to provide public comment uh, strictly tailored to the 1010 public hearing, that's the presentation that we just uh, received, 
That's line item six. Please raise your hand now. Going once, going twice, going three times. Collection of public comments have now ended. Mr. Singletary, how many callers do we have and who do we have first, sir? Mr. Chair, we have uh, the six callers uh, calling in, beginning with D2 victimized city retiree. D2 victimized city retiree, the floor is yours. You have one minute regarding the 1010 public hearing. Yeah, 1010 uh, public hearing comment. Um, 30 years is a long time. Is it a mortgage? You know, I, my, I have a 30 year mortgage. I, I don't understand the 30 year tax. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's a long, long time. So, uh, so um, this business plan, a banquet hall, you're, you're seeing for 30 years being able to have enough weddings. Of course, I've been divorced three, four times, but, you know, 30 years is a long time to count on being, I don't understand the business plan. You know, so it's been vacant for all those years, but you're going to have planning on making a profit on, at a, <laughs> you're going to, do you have bookings already? I mean, these are some questions I'm wondering. And then the parking, you're going to have valet. You, you got to have on-site parking. You can't have... I, I'm just confused about the mostly about the 30 years. I think that's far too long. Thanks. Thank you so much. Next caller, please. The next caller is caller ending in 534. Caller ending in 534. The floor is yours regarding the 1010 public hearing. Yes, good morning. May I be heard? You may. Yeah. Well, I misspoke in general public comment because I thought this was the downtown Brownfield Development Authority. I always like to see historic buildings rehabbed, so I was a little concerned that I heard about some demolition. I would like to see it rehabbed. I think uh, community uh, building spaces are a good thing. Hopefully the neighbors support it. Um, because I misspoke about that, I do want to say I'm disappointed about the Revere Ware Dock, too. I feel like uh, we were mis only on the 1010 public hearing. That's all we can do. You know the rules. That's, I got to follow them. I'm sorry. We'll still give you an opportunity if you have any additional comments regarding the 1010 public hearing for the remaining 22 seconds. The floor is yours. Ms. Warwick, are you there? All right, thank you so much. Next caller, please. If they're not demolishing the building and they're going to rehab and try and keep it as historic as possible and make it available to the community, that does sound like a good thing. I do like to see those kinds of projects. I don't know about the finances, but if they're just going to totally demolish the inside and keep the facade outside, that's a little disappointing as much as, as a historic Thank you so much. Next caller, please. The next caller is Miss Cindy Dara. Ms. Cindy Dara, thank you for joining us. You have one minute regarding the 1010 public hearing. That's line item six on the agenda. Yeah, uh, I, I missed your first public hearing, and I went to that uh, Brownfield meeting yesterday about the district. So I'd like to make my general public comment for, nope. that I missed in the first. No, ma'am, this is, this is actually the first public hearing, and it, it has to be regarding the 1010 public hearing. We're now into the public hearing Q&A. So the floor is yours regarding the 1010 public hearing solely, please. 
Ms. Dara, are you there? Can you, can you, you couldn't hear me. I'm sorry. I had that unmute. Uh, what I'd like is, is a transcript of, of what they're saying today so I could study it. Because actually, I was listening to On Point about tax evasions by billionaires, and, and it, it's a good one. It'll, they'll replay it eight to nine tonight. So I want to catch On Point, and it's all about uh, trust and how the super rich get richer. <laughs> so anyhow, that was uh, I, I did miss it, but I would hope that you could put your rules and, and the program uh policies and how you, what you have to follow. Thank you, Ms. Dara. If you, if you would like to review this particular meeting, it will show up on the City Council's page uh, for videos, archives. Uh, they are archived daily. So uh, feel free uh, later on this evening. I'm not exactly sure what time they actually post them, but uh, they, they do a quick, pretty quick turnaround. If you don't see it this evening, you'll certainly see it uh, tomorrow, and you'll get an opportunity to review the presentation that you may have missed. Next caller, please. The next caller is Motor City Rue. Motor City Rue, thank you for joining us. You have one minute regarding the 10-10 public hearing. Motor City Rue, are you there? Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, well, uh, yeah, can you hear me? We can. Okay, well, Mr. Lockwood, with all due respect, uh, for XYZ, uh, let's get to the ABCs of this. Now, I would uh, caution uh, everybody within earshot about the advice coming from LPD and the, um, the numbers. Um, I attended a hearing where LPD um, made a presentation, and they just did now, and they uh, outlined the benefits, the numbers that they released. See, the director of the LPD doesn't exactly check the information he's given. He just passes it on to the council. Because if he was to check, and those numbers that I just heard in regards to um, what the city of Detroit is going to um, gain from this um, development, I think it's a good idea. But question, caution, um, alert for the numbers given by LPD. Thank you so much. Next caller, please. Next caller is Ms. Carol Hughes. Ms. Carol Hughes, thank you for joining us. The floor is yours. You have one minute regarding the 1010 public hearing. Good afternoon. Uh, may I speak? Yes, ma'am. Um, I'm against any more TIFs. Uh, I'm disappointed that uh, the 1005 discussion on the fiscal impact was not had. I believe that you would be irresponsible have if you don't have that hearing if you don't have that discussion around the fiscal impact to the citizens before you give approval i think you're being irresponsible um i don't have anything against uh you know uh the danish um, i love the netherlands <laughs> but uh i'm not sure if this is a good benefit or a good spin for our tax dollars uh we are in desperate need of housing affordable housing, housing that is affordable to the people who live here. So um, until we have the discussion around the approval, uh, the impact of the, the fiscal impact, the taxing fiscal impact, uh, I have to uh, say no to this. Thank you. Thank you. And just so, so you know, and everyone knows, that we have this discussion, these discussions prior to the public hearing to allow for any taxing jurisdiction 
that would be impacted by the fiscal, uh, that would have a fiscal impact by uh, whatever is being presented before us. This is an opportunity for those entities to come before us and express. All of those entities are aware, uh, and they did not show up today, so we did not have a discussion. So when you don't, when, we, when you see that we do not have those discussions prior to the public hearing, uh, that is why they didn't show up. Uh, the public hearing is for us, as well as you all, the public, to ask and learn about these particular projects. And that's what we just did. And thank you again for joining us. Look forward to you in the next one as well. Mr. Singletary. The next and final caller is Ms. Amy McLaughlin. Ms. Amy McLaughlin, the floor is yours regarding the 1010 public hearing, line item six. Hi, good morning. My name is Amy McLaughlin. I am a Woodbridge resident, vice president of Woodbridge Citizens Council, and I live about a half mile from the proposed site. Um, I wanted to call in today and express my support as an individual, as well as the support from Woodbridge Citizens Council uh, for Mr. Lockwood's DBRA, excuse me, I'm a little congested today, application. Um, this is a highly visible building on a very busy corner in our neighborhood. Um, it's currently a dead space and an eyesore. And so while it's always hard to give up revenue on behalf of our neighbors and the city, um, we are in support of this proposal because we do believe that the life and the commercial potential and the traffic that it will bring to our neighborhood will be a net positive. Um, so I just wanted to call in and say, I appreciate Mr. Lockwood's transparency with our organization and all of the neighbors on this project and others. Thank you. Thank you. And I believe that takes us to the end of our public comments during this public hearing. Uh, they have now closed. Uh, colleagues, is there a motion or any additional questions, concerns, comments regarding line item six? Thank you, Mr. Chair. I move that we send line item six to formal with the recommendation to approve. Uh, there is a motion to send line item six to formal with a recommendation to approve. And, uh, Member Vice Chair, may I add, with uh, conditions of uh, the gentleman sending, submitting the information as requested by this committee. Absolutely, Mr. Chair. All so right. Moved. Thank you. Just so, Mr. Locke, where are you listening? That is the request. As a motion again to send line item six to formal with a recommendation to approve pending the requested information requested by this committee. Uh, seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Thank you. This now closes out our 1010 public hearing. Would now like to call back to order the 1020 public hearing with the parties who are there we go. Will the parties who are participating please queue up? The 1010, excuse me, the 1020 public hearing is regarding the establish, establishing a neighborhood enterprise zone as requested by Avanith uh, North End Parcel Owner 1 LLC and Civic Tecton North End LLC in the area of 405 Smith, Detroit, Michigan, in accordance with Public Act. 147 of 1992. Will the parties who are participating, when you see yourself on the, on the screen, please introduce yourself for the record. Justice Cook, HRD. Good morning. Good morning, Catherine Frazier with the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation. Good morning. Good morning again, Derek Head, LPD. Good morning, sir. Next. Good morning, this is Jason of Tecton Development. Uh, happy to be here. Good morning. 
Good morning, Ron McDonald of RMC Development. Good morning. Good morning, Daryl Carter, uh, Chairman and CEO of Havana Capital Management. Good morning. Good morning, this is Richard Barr from Hummingman on behalf of the applicant. Good morning. I believe that's everyone. All right, who would like to begin? I will, thank you. Floor is yours. To the chair, Ava North End Parcel Owner 1 LLC and Civic Tech Town North End LLC is requesting the Neighborhood Establishment Enterprise Zone in the area bounded by 405 Smith, 409 Smith, 7718 Brush, 299 Smith, 303 Smith, 307 Smith, 313 Smith, 319 Smith, 325 Smith, 771 Brush, 282 Smith, 290 Smith, 296 Smith, 302 Smith, 306 Smith, 312 Smith, 309 East Bethune, 313 East Bethune, 319 East Bethune, and 331 East Bethune. The proposed project is expected to construct a total of eight affordable for sale attached townhomes on the property and also construct 10 apartments on a portion of the property to be purchased by it. The governing body of a local governmental unit by resolution may designate one or more neighborhood enterprise zone within that local governmental unit. Upon the creation of a zone, the applicant will receive the certificate as a matter of right and shall not be required to participate in a public hearing. The petitioner is present to answer any additional questions. Thank you. Thank you. Who would like to proceed? Uh, to the chair, uh, I would like to proceed and then, uh, and if I may share my screen. The floor is yours. And Thank yours. you. Thank you. Um, and as I'm pulling this up, I would like to uh, just mention that um, I will speak briefly about what the neighborhood enterprise zone is, and then I'll pass uh, the floor to uh, Mr. Jason Jones to talk through uh, the Tecton and uh, Avanath townhome project. Um, and then we would like to just close it out um, briefly with uh, Mr. Daryl Carter of Avanath to talk about the larger um, uh, Northern Landing project. Um, and then uh, I'll come back and um, share the recommendation uh, before the board, excuse me, before the uh, this honorable body um, prior to Mr. Head giving his report. Um, so uh, as Mr. Cook just mentioned, um, the request uh, before Council today is to establish a neighborhood enterprise zone um, uh, requested by Avanath North End Parcel Owner as well as Civic Tecton um, at the area of 405 Smith and the related uh, properties. The um, Smith and Brush Townhome Project, uh, again, to reiterate, it's um, uh, a, um, forgive me, it's a $2.9 million investment of roughly 11,000 square feet of attached townhomes uh, that will create eight uh, for sale um, affordable condominiums. As I briefly described what the enterprise zone work uh, uh, abatement is, 
it provides the the neighborhood enterprise zone act provides a reduction on the future increases of the property uh, as a result of significant improvements um, made on the project um, the uh, this portion uh, will be a new construction within this NEZ um, the developer will continue to pay the taxes currently collected on the property as well as the increase in the land land value which is uh, shown in dark green uh, which is all the way at the very bottom of this chart here um, after improving the property, the taxable value will increase, uh, and if no abatement was provided, the amount of the taxes would increase, shown by the teal and the yellow in this chart. As this is a new construction, uh, once the improvements are complete, the incentive reduces the taxes paid on the improvements um, and the state average tax rate for the first 12 years. Uh, in the final three years of a potentially 15-year term, uh, the uh, NEZ tax abatement would phase out, uh, which is shown in the last three bars here. Um, so in total, the developer will continue to pay the current taxes paid on the portion, as well as an increased uh, taxes on the property uh, shown um, in the, um, excuse me, on the blue and teal on this project um, throughout the term of the abatement. As we move briefly into the location of the NEZ, the red boundary here shows uh, the parcels included, while the blue highlighted uh, box shows the location of where the um, townhomes will be. And if I may pass the presentation over to Mr. Jones. Uh, good morning again, this is Jason Jones, a managing member of Tecton Development. It's my honor and pleasure to be before you today. Uh, I am a native Detroiter, also a uh, minority business enterprise and a Detroit-based uh, business enterprise. Uh, I am also very pleased to set forth the uh, kind of development that you see before us, particularly pleased that our vision is to be able to bring that forward as an affordable for sale uh, project that will bring eight new homeowners into uh, our beautiful city. As you'll note uh, from above, uh, the project site is on the right hand side just above the park and is currently a vacant and uh, uh, uninhabited property uh, delivering zero uh, tax dollars to the city of Detroit as this is currently owned uh, by the Detroit Land Bank from whom we'll be purchasing the site. As we get into the actual physical construction, as you note, these are three-story townhouse units that are uh, new construction, so literally on a vacant parcel uh, we are delivering eight new uh, homeowner residences to the city of Detroit. Our, our, these are standard townhomes. Uh, as you will note, uh, we have a more modern aesthetic, but that aesthetic is also complementary to the existing design that you'll find within the North End uh, neighborhood as well. You also will note that on those first floors, we did not elevate the first floor entries, again, with the expectation to provide uh, ADA accessibility uh, to those residents that may uh, desire it over the course of their residence there. Uh, we'll just get into the plan addressing uh, parking. Uh, on the first floor, you'll also find an interior uh, one-car garage that provides parking for each one of those townhome units. You also will find a uh, additional room on that first floor that could be used as a guest room uh, for 
uh, a, a participant or a resident or a guest or an elderly family member as well. These are, however, three-story townhouse units. They are two bedroom, two full bath, and uh, as such, they're not technically ADA compliant as they are currently constructed, but certainly uh, could be amended by the eventual homeowner to support uh, more accessibility uh, down the road. Uh, again, just from a, a project and construction basis, our, our vision is a $2.8 million project. Our goal is to sell each one of those to uh, future Detroit residents that uh, earn 80% AMI or below uh, at a price point of approximately $150,000 per unit. Um, again, Tecton and Civic Tecton are the uh, managing developers for the project in conjunction with uh, Avanith. Uh, this project was set forth as a community benefit from engagement with the community uh, based on the overarching project. Uh, I'll let uh, Daryl and or Ron uh, speak more to that. The uh, contractor identified was Excellent Group Construction. Uh, Excellent Group is also a Detroit-based and minority-based business enterprise. They've had an extraordinary amount of success with hiring both Detroit-based and minority-based enterprises with uh, the previous year's success achieving 56% of all of the labor dollars uh, spent going to either DBE or MBE res or, or uh, subcontractors. Uh, again, my name is Jason Jones. I'm very, very pleased to present this project. Uh, looking forward to uh, bringing it to market and bringing more residents to the city of Detroit. Again, my pleasure. Good morning, Pro Tem Tate and this uh, honorable body. My name is Ron McDonald. I am the uh, managing principal for RMC Development. Uh, we are partnered with uh, my good friend, Daryl Carter and Vanith, as well as Jason Jones for uh, the North End Landing Project. As Jason said, uh, much of uh, this effort here is actually came directly out of our uh, community engagement effort. Uh, we've had extensive uh, engagement uh, dating back to 2021. Um, if just to go through the list here, and I'll try to do this as briefly as possible, uh, the lower North End Block Club, uh, we've met with them five times in 2021 uh, with their leadership, uh, as well as two meetings that were convened by uh, President Pro Tem Sheffield, uh, the North End Youth Improvement Council, uh, which is uh, responsible or tied to Dolores Bennett Park, uh, Mary King, uh, we've met with her on multiple occasions, Men of the North End, uh, another uh, community group there, uh, Historic North End Alliance. We've met with their leadership. Uh, Avanith sponsored a community meeting in Dolores Park. We held a picnic uh, there, which was attended by well over 100 people, uh, which we were able to solicit uh, significant feedback uh, and input from the neighbors directly there uh, around the project, as well as uh, other areas of the North End. Uh, Bennett Park, Men of the Lower North End, uh, 4th of July picnic. We participated in that uh, in the North End Neighbors Block Club. Uh, that was a meeting held by uh, resident Ms. Shirley Davis uh, and her late husband. They did a picnic for us, uh, a community picnic in their backyard. 
in 2022, we were uh, engaged pretty heavily in due diligence with the land bank uh, to uh, do the due diligence for the uh, the lots, uh, which are part of our larger project. Uh, but we met with the uh, Lower North End Block Club's leadership, uh, continued to meet with them. Uh, most recently, just prior to the holidays, uh, Council President Sheffield also convened another community-wide uh, Zoom meeting, which was also very well attended. Uh, and we've also continued to meet with the uh, new uh, North End Youth Improvement Council. Uh, both my partner, uh, Daryl Carter, and I, as well as Jason uh, Jones, have met on several occasions uh, with individuals. Uh, we have not um, left it to the large organized meetings. Uh, we meet in coffee shops. We meet uh, in hotel lobbies. Uh, whether it's uh, 10 people or two people, uh, we take every opportunity uh, to meet with folks, uh, even if it means just showing up in the park uh, and sitting with the group uh, that may be there that want to talk about the project. So we have uh, uh, not been um, hesitant uh, to engage the residents. Uh, we did hear in the public comment that there was no community engagement, but this entire um, NEZ effort here is uh, a uh, initiative that was born out of extensive community engagement. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, just a rendering there of, uh, of our uh, project as seen from Dolores Bennett Park. Next slide. Uh, gives you an aerial uh, view of the uh, development footprint for North End Landing. Uh, there are multiple parcels from the land bank. There are parcels from our development, uh, community development partner, Vanguard, as well as lots that were required privately. Uh, the red boxes there uh, show the location of the for sale housing. Next slide. Uh, we are proposing, it's a $42 million uh, development. Uh, there are approximately 177 residential units uh, including 95 senior apartments. Uh, the project was reprogrammed uh, with that significant number of seniors to address concerns about uh, parking there in the neighborhood. Uh, Dolores Bennett Park is one of the nicer parks in the city, so it's very heavily attended. Uh, and even though there is a very low population uh, because of all the vacant lots that are there, they have uh, had extensive vehicular traffic uh, so, as again, as a direct result of the community engagement, uh, we looked at reprogramming the um, multifamily units into 95 senior apartments. So the bulk of our project uh, is now seniors. While we understand it doesn't change the code requirement for parking from a practical standpoint, uh, we felt that the uh, seniors would bring a much lighter uh, vehicle usage than your typical uh, multifamily resident. Uh, just another view there, uh, an aerial. This one actually gives you a bit of an understanding of where we have significant green space. Another one of our major community uh, benefits was we met with the uh, residents and they were concerned about the density. Uh, we reduced uh, our footprint, we eliminated buildings from our original plan, uh, which resulted in our 
green space uh, going from 5% to 30%. So almost one third of our development footprint uh, is now green space. Again, that was um, due to concerns uh, from uh, residents, um, which, and you know, we feel you don't quite get there with these type of initiatives unless you have had extensive community uh, engagement. Um, and I would add that that engagement continues uh, so we uh, don't believe in any way that we're at the end of community engagement. Uh, we you know, plan to engage extensively uh, in the coming months as we look forward to uh, advancing the project. And if I may uh, just wrap up this presentation, um, the, uh, the request before um, planning and economic development subcommittee today is for the district only. This this public hearing begins the 60 day waiting period um, that is necessary for the establishing of an NEZ district. Um, uh, the request to take a motion will come at a future date. Um, I want to also uh, just note that the district does not in and of itself create the tax exemption. Uh, only property owners who uh, commit to specific investments into the property will be eligible uh, to request the exemption certificate for in a proposed district. The future uh, property owners will need to apply to the city of Detroit for a certificate and would be subject to uh, approval by the Detroit City Council as well as the Michigan State Tax Commission to receive the exemption. Uh, on November 18th of 2022, the assessor wrote Assessor's Office wrote a letter confirming that the project meets the eligibility requirements. Um, and based off of our initial review, we were making that recommendation of that uh, establishment of the district to support that future investment. Um, so I'm gonna conclude our portion here and allow Mr. Head to continue on his portion. Thank you so much. Mr. Head, the floor is yours, sir. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Through the chair, this particular project is incentivized to the Neighborhood Enterprise Zone Act, Public Act 147 of 1992 as amended, which provides for the development and rehabilitation of residential housing located within an eligible distressed communities, which is to say Detroit. New and rehab facilities applications are filed, reviewed, and approved by the local government unit of government, but are also subject to review at the state level by the property services division. The state tax commission is responsible for final approval and issuance of new and rehabilitated facility certificates. Exemptions for new and rehab facilities are not effective until approved by the STC. By statute, every NEZ must contain not less than 10 platted parcels of land that are compact and contiguous. The state does allow for an exception if an NEZ is in a downtown revitalization district. In a downtown revitalization district, an NEZ may contain less than 10 platted parcels if the platted parcels together contain 10 or more facilities. In 2008, the NEZ Act was modified by Public Acts 204 and Public Act 228 to allow for a neighborhood enterprise zone located in a qualified downtown revitalization district. A Vanif North End parcel owner, one LLC, 
and Civic Tecton North End LLC are the project developers of the requested NEZ district that contains 20 parcels on 1.696 acres of land that is proposed for an NEZ. The developers, each of which are under contract to purchase portions of the subject property, proposes to construct residential units on the property. A Van Up North End parcel owner, one LLC or its affiliates, proposes to construct a total of eight affordable for sale attached townhomes on the property. Uh, and our only elements of the property, these are only elements of the property as, that are currently being requested under today's proposed NEZ. The new apartments will be part of the larger North End Landing development proposed to be constructed on the property and other nearby vacant parcels. The overall North End Landing project is expected to create a total of the eight affordable for sale townhomes. And in addition to 177 apartments of which 95 are proposed to be occupied by senior citizens. As it was indicated earlier, the annual existing annual taxes on a property are zero since the land is publicly owned. However, once the incentive is, is given, those annual taxes will increase to $14,594 per year. And the new taxes, once the abatement expires, will increase on an annual basis to $67,281. The investment in this project is estimated at $2.9 million. The proposed tax abatement is projected to be worth a tax savings of $760,888 to the developer. The estimated investment in new residents are projected to produce a positive cost benefit of, to the city of Detroit of $283,279 and over $486,789 to all of the impacted taxing units. There are also expected to be 24 temporary construction jobs as a result of this particular endeavor. Pursuant to the NEZ Act, however, NEZ allocations are limited so the total acreage of a, of a NEZ containing only new or rehab facilities or any combination of new or rehab facilities designated under the act shall not, not, shall not exceed 15% of the total acreage contained within the boundaries of a local government unit. So given the fact that the city of Detroit is 137 square miles, that translates to a total acreage of, in the city of Detroit of 88,260 acres. So 15% of, the, of that acreage is 13,239 acres, which is available to be allocated for new and rehab NEZs. So far, with this particular project, this North End Landing NEZ, that places another 1.7 acres of that allocation into use. So given that, 
that would leave the total acreage remaining at 7,579.25 acres, which leaves the total amount of acreage designated at 5,659.75 acres. So in plain terms, that means that so far, that's 57 of the total acreage, 57% of the total acreage remains and 43% of that total acreage is utilized. And Mr. Chair, that concludes my report and I thank you. Thank you, sir. And thank you all who presented within this uh, public hearing. I will now go to questions, concerns, comments from colleagues. Colleagues, any questions, concerns, comments? Member Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, so first, I just want to say to the developers, thank you for adding a, an ownership component to your development project. I think that's extremely important as we uh, look at the number of properties that are available, um, that are affordable for Detroit residents for home ownership. Um, to Mr. Head, I actually have a question as it relates to the NEZ. I know we're looking at these eight townhomes. Um, does the NEZ transfer to the owners of the townhouses once they uh, purchase them? So they'll have the um, tax incentive for the individual homeowner as well. Through the chair to Council Member Johnson, that's an excellent question. And you are correct. Once that, once that transfers ownership to the owners, they will be the recipients of that NEZ. So their taxes, they will receive that tax break actually once they receive it. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Any further colleagues? All right, we shall now go to general, excuse me, public comment for this public hearing. This is again the 1020 public hearing. Uh, if you would like to provide public comment to this body regarding the 1020 public hearing, please raise your hand now. Again, if you would like to provide public comment to this body regarding the 1020 public hearing, that's the presentation that you just saw, please raise your hand now. Going once, going twice, going three times. Collection of public comments have now concluded. Mr. Singletary, how many callers do we have and who do we have first? It's seeing that we don't have anyone in the Committee of the Whole. Mr. Chair, we have six callers beginning with caller ending in 534. Caller ending in 534, the floor is yours. You have one minute regarding the 1020 public hearing. But we'll wait until we see the clock on the screen. All right, caller 534, the floor is yours. Ms. Warwick, are you there? Yes, good morning. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Well, I just heard a lot of untruths. This this plan was planned in secret with a number of people who signed non-disclosure agreements. When it was presented to the Lower North End Block Club, we didn't want it. We voted against it, but everybody on the city council ignored that. Well, it's interesting this, this Miss Etta Garth doesn't want rental housing on her block. She was part of Vanguard. She was involved in the secrecy. She knows darn well they didn't care about us. This is not a way to build 
failed community to purposely exclude people. Sheila Cockrell didn't invite me to all of her events, and so this is just despicable. The notice wasn't adequate. It only said 405 Smith. This is an improper hearing in my mind, and it's a, a continued disrespect for residents in the lower north end. This was completely unnecessary. We could have... Thank you so much. Again, if callers can make sure they keep their eye on the clock, we only can give one minute for everyone. Have to be uh, fair. Uh, who's our next caller, please? The next caller is Mr. Tyson Gersh. Mr. Tyson Gersh, the floor is yours. You have one minute regarding the 1020 public hearing. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Thanks. Um, I live directly sort of in the middle of the development. I'm adjacent, sharing a property line with it. Um, also secretary for the Lower North End Block Club. Um, the feedback that the developers were given was really specific. The biggest issue was that people wanted to see more ownable homes being built and that it was too much overall. Um, to date, the developers changed less than 5% of the development um, by adding only eight ownable homes. Uh, it's not really sufficient at all um, the reason they've had to meet with the community so many times is because it's so widely opposed. 600 people signed a petition uh, asking the land bank not to sell the land in the first place. Um, we support Jason Jones in building ownable homes. We'd ask that you require there to be more than eight and for it to take up a larger percentage of the overall development because it's just too much, too fast. Thank you. Next caller, please. The next caller is D2 Victimized City Retiree. D2 Victimized City Retiree, the floor is yours regarding the 1020 public hearing. Uh, 1020 public hearing. Um, I asked the other day about um, ADA compliance. I just heard the gentleman say that, you know, they build it if they needed it. That's, that's not the rule. The rule says you must build it. And if you can't build it, build someplace else. That's what the law says. So if you can't accommodate 10% of your state and federal or state and local uh, subsidized uh, abatements, then you got to build somewhere else. Go to another city somewhere. So that is the law. And I did ask that you, uh, you have, I think someone told me you Creole, but, you don't, but you're walking right over these laws. So you have to build them. You don't have an option not to. You're building something new. You got to. Thanks. Thank you. Next caller, please. The next caller is Miss Cindy Dara. Cindy Dara, thank you for joining us. You have one minute regarding the 1020 public hearing. Yeah, I wish you would have minutes written out of your meetings instead of just the videos. It's easier and faster for somebody to look and see what you've done. Most cities do. Uh, I noticed that they're not separating, they're putting brand new sewers over there. They're not separating the stormwater from the sewers. They've got farms there that they could bring uh, the water from if they separated it and bring it into cisterns so they can water the local farming that Tyson and other people do. Uh, so I don't think that, uh, I really, my opinion, you should have handicapped accessibility of everything that you build now uh, uh, because people uh, they do become disabled if you did that on all your affordable apartments too 
then people wouldn't have to move when they got disabled. They'd stay right there. Thank you. Next caller, please. The next caller is Motor City Rule. Motor City Rule, thank you for joining us. You have one minute regarding the 1020 public hearing. Yeah, been, as, uh, been a pipe layer myself and installing uh, sanitary sewers and storm sewers for a number of years. I laid the main line down a Davidson Freeway project. I uh, totally understand the uh, combined sewer situation, but uh, I wanted to double down on the fact of LPD. I just listened to the presentation that was given, um, what LPD said, and I want to caution um, this committee to accepting um, things from the LPD when we know now that the director of the LPD, David Whitaker, doesn't have any idea about uh, certain things um, like bonds. Any, any, hold, on, hold, hold on one second. These, these, Please make sure you keep the comments toward this particular project. And we're going to allow you to move forward with your last 17 seconds. But again, your comments should be germane to this particular project. Otherwise, we will have to move on. All right, Mr. Singletary, oh, you may continue. Do I got my 17 seconds to say this? Because uh, James E. Tate, okay, James E. Tate, what I was saying was particularly speaking to what LPD said during this hearing. And for you to interrupt my train of thought like that, man, is bold. But I'm going to say you got to pay attention to what they represent and present. Thank you. Next caller, please. The next and final caller is Ms. Carol Hughes, noting there were two additional hands raised after public comment was cut off. Thank you. Ms. Carol Hughes, the floor is yours. You have one minute regarding the 1020 public hearing. Good afternoon, Chair. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. It was a very interesting sale. Um, um, Mr. McDonald should be hired by the city. He's very articulate and good at explaining things. You, you had me. <clears throat> until you mentioned Sheila Cockrell. <laughs> um, this city is being carved up for others to enjoy. So she wants us to, you know, foot the bill while she funnels in people that she wants to get into the housing. Well, I, I would like to put restraints on the people in terms of, since it's predominantly black people paying for it, it should be predominantly black people living in it. We should have we should have some numbers around who, how many numbers we want to live in the units. Um, that's all I have to say. I, I guess I'd have to be against it uh, if Sheila Cockrell is for it. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. And that takes us to the end of our public comment for the 1020 public hearing. All right, so uh, to the presenters, there were a few questions in there I think that definitely need to be responded to, one of which is, because uh, I thought I heard that as well, Mr. Jones, when you said the, that, that the structure, um, it may have been the connection here, that uh, the structure will not be ADA compliant, but if there is a need for that to, uh, if there's a need for a resident to, to, to have one, that it could be retrofitted, is, did, I, did I mishear that? You, you absolutely did hear that. And just uh, to make sure I put a fine point on it, uh, townhomes are built within the Michigan's uh, residential building code. Uh, by definition, single family and townhome uh, do not require ADA accessibility uh, by code. Uh, but we also know that there are, there are needs that our people need to, uh, to be met uh, as they age, particularly age in place. 
And just as you may have the opportunity in any single family home, also have the opportunity in these townhomes to add ADA uh, assistance measures, things like um, uh, uh, chair lifts and or flat uh, footed lifts that will uh, allow a person to traverse up the stairs. So again, uh, inside the residential building code, uh, ADA accessibility is not required, uh, but as a uh, point of, of interest, we have designed the townhomes to at least allow access on the first floor. And once you're in on the first floor, an individual homeowner could upgrade for ADA uh, uh, additional uh, opportunity at their uh, need. Okay, you said Does that, that answer your question? you're saying that the home, it would be the homeowner's expense though. So you're not building out initially, not even one of the eight units to be ADA compliant, correct? Correct. That is our, our current vision um, based on the homeowners that come to the table. That may be something that we could entertain, but it's certainly not something that we want to automatically build out the, um, unless we have demand from that a specific homeowner. Okay. How, and how would that look? I mean, when you're saying unless there's a, a demand from a particular homeowner. So if you, you do have, I mean, we have a, you just had a long conversation. I don't know if you've been aware of it, but last week, regarding the, the challenges that we have with housing for those who have uh, disabilities. And how would that work? If someone comes forward today and say, look, I want in on, on one of those, those townhouses, how, how would that ADA compliance build out work? Uh, to, if a person stepped forward today, uh, the way that we would be able to deliver accessibility would have to be via a chairlift. Uh, there are two stories of, of stairs in that home, um, and then we would have to uh, identify uh, pricing to install uh, those and make that compliant for that individual homeowner. So it'll be a, a additional pricing? It'll be a different pricing for that particular individual? Uh, they, they, I would expect so. Hmm. Okay. That was my question. Uh, Member Vice Chair. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chair. I, I just want to dive a little bit deeper. So um, obviously this is before us today. Uh, we'd like some answers relative to that ADA uh, compliance. Uh, what cost would be uh, to and, and not to beat a dead horse, uh, but just reiterate uh, the fact that these are concerns that we have been going over now uh, for uh, the past I don't know how many times we've met now, so this is something to be expected when we ask these questions relative to ADA compliance. What does that look like for residents who may want to move in? Um, you're saying that there's a there's a lift, like a chair lift, already uh, there, or it can be installed. No, I, I want to want make sure I'm very clear. There is current. This is a new construction asset, so there is no nothing there today. I mean, uh, in the in the plans. That's pardon me in the plans. <laughs> Sure, and in the plans currently, there is not a design for a vertical lift in each one of those individual eight townhomes. If a resident is interested in identifying or purchasing a lift, I'm sure we can make that available to that resident. Uh, but I do not have before me today the cost for doing so, uh, whether that is incurred by the development or that is incurred by the homeowner. I can't speak to it because I don't have uh, cost. Okay, so I mean, because I'm just trying to wrap my mind around it. If, and, and I think I had this discussion this week uh, in one of the other committees, uh, but 
I just don't understand how that would attract someone who already had disabilities, knowing that, you know, I'm walking into, you know, walking into a situation where they just don't have it. So I, they may not even look at the property. They may not even want uh, to reside at the property. So uh, trying to wrap my mind around that and those plans. Uh, is that some information you can have for, uh, for us before Tuesday, if this is to go through? Member Vice Chair, the one thing I wanted to add is that this item uh, will be coming back um, because it does have a uh, uh, gestation period. It has to sit and wait before it is uh, brought back. So it, we're anticipating bringing it back as a line item um, in 60 days or so. Um, and hopefully within that time frame, that we'll have an opportunity to provide those responses. But to, to your point, uh, I just wanted to make it known that it won't be coming, uh, whether, regardless of how we... Uh, vote on this particular item and how we feel about it right now. It will not be coming back uh, on Tuesday, but uh, we're anticipating April 13th of this year. So okay. just wanted to make that clarification, sir. So far, and thank you, Mr. Chair. I appreciate that. But is that is are those some answers that we can get, you know, get a little bit more clarity before then? Oh, short answer is absolutely. Uh, we're more than willing to explore uh, those costs. Happy to return the individual cost uh, and uh, preferably include those as a component of the development uh, for at least one of those units, uh, if not more. Uh, again, it depends upon the cost. As you will note, our, our main vision is to provide affordability, uh, and then as our primary objective. Uh, additionally, uh, what you will note is as these uh, units go to sale, they will still be under construction, and it's our expectation that we'll work with each of the individual home buyers to outfit their home to each of their individual specifications. Okay, thank you. I look forward to that information, and even if we have a discussion offline of, of kind of what that looks like. Again, very interested in that. I know in the task force meetings that we have, and we talk about developments being built across the city of Detroit, whether they're affordable housing units or not, whether they're uh, rental properties or uh, multifamily, folks want to know, uh, are they being considered? Uh, and I think that's a very fair question uh, as well. Folks in our disabled community need affordable housing as well. Uh, and so their needs uh, should be addressed as well. So I look forward to uh, getting that information from you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Vice Chair. Member Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, so I just want to be sure I understand this correctly um, because now I've, because of our discussion last week, I feel as though there's a difference between accessibility and compliance. Um, compliance to me here says that the hallways are a certain width, that the doorways or the door openings are a certain width, um, that then these particular townhomes can be uh, sort of retrofitted or we can add additional accessible components for anyone who comes forward and has a need for a chairlift or um, grab bars or anything of that nature. Can you clarify that when all of the townhomes are built, that the compliance is met in the hallways, the width of the hallways and the door openings and anything else that I may not be aware of that is required by state law. Sure, and then let me make sure I, I absolutely clarify. So the uh, compliance in terms of hallway width, absolutely. Compliance in terms of bathroom size, is is a difference maker, right? So these these townhome units 
are not currently designed to meet ADA compliance. They are designed to be ADA accessible. And so compliance will require many things that are specific to multifamily housing that do not apply to townhome style construction. And, and you have to think specifically townhome style construction is built similar to a single family residence. In those standard residences, you do not find eight foot wide bathrooms that will allow a wheelchair accessibility because in honest and practical measure, a wheelchair is unlikely to be on the second and third story of the, these townhomes um, by design. There are different typologies that would be needed to meet those compliance components. But again, uh, I am happy to, to go back and deliver more detail around the specifics uh, of the architecture and what uh, specific accessible components are being provided in these towns. Excellent. I think that's a great idea. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Any additional colleagues? Seeing none, uh, we've had the Q&A, we've had the uh, presentation as well as the public comment regarding this item. Uh, you know, before we go, one last thing. So uh, there's a, the elephants in the room about this particular project, um, and we heard it from one of the residents of the uh, Lower North End uh, Block Club and, and said that this project, you know, is too much too fast. Uh, we get the blowback here at City Council and the committee, um, but we're also getting, you know, letters of support and uh, words of support from folks who uh, support this particular project. What, on the record, are you, what, what do you have to, to, to say, to the, and this is to the developers, uh, in response to uh, a resident who said that this project is too much too fast? Because I, I will admit, I have heard that from other re residents as well, and it's, you know, depending on who you speak to, uh, some love it and some not so much. But to that comment that it's too much too fast, uh, what what is the response uh, by the developers? Um, Daryl Carter, again, the founder and CEO of Havana. Um, first and foremost, it's one thing that uh, my partner, Ron McDonald, didn't mention, but uh, Ron and I, although our companies are located outside the city of Detroit, we both grew up in Detroit. I grew up around Wyoming and West Chicago, attended Drew Middle School, attended Cass Tech High School, and later got degrees from University of Michigan and MIT. Um, Avanith operates uh, 106 apartment communities in 15 states. Uh, we're the largest minority apartment owner in the country. We own about 16,000 apartment communities. It has been our mission to, uh, we have invested in underserved communities throughout the U.S. Uh, in, you know, places like West Oakland, South Central Los Angeles, Brooklyn, uh, the like, um, North, Southeast D.C., and, um, you know, when I have, you know, we have looked uh, at, you know, I have never gone without six months without coming to Detroit and, and, and both, you know, I have lots of family here and looking up at opportunities. And we're very bullish on the North End. And we believe that, um, you know, that it, it needs density because density attracts, you know, other things like retailers and the like. Uh, we've already, you know, by the, you know, while we're developing this project, we've acquired 
and renovate it to existing apartment communities in the North End, both of which are affordable. And so, um, you know, I can remember riding my bike in this neighborhood because I had an aunt that lived here. And if you look along the, you know, John R. and Brush, there were three and four story apartment buildings and then tapering down to one story buildings. And this was back in the 60s and, and 70s. So we, you know, that's been a neighborhood that's been decimated by blight and a lot of uh, houses that have, um, you know, been, been, you know, that are no longer there. And uh, while, you know, the perception is relative to the density there now, it's too much. But if you look at a historic perspective, you know, where I think Detroit was and where it wants to be, that I think it's certainly an appropriate density. And I think it will attract other development. You know, we, we heard initially that there was a desire to have um, single family home ownership. And, and, you know, we, of course, uh, uh, looked to find what we, you know, what we, the best developer that we could find that we could partner with. And we found Jason and Jason shares our values in, in investing in, in communities. And so um, our company is committed to Detroit for the long term. And so, um, this is not just one project for us. Uh, we want to build more housing in the city of Detroit. Uh, it's important to me because this is my hometown. All right, we we'll certainly look forward to having additional uh, conversation about that because I think we need to be flushed out a little bit more uh, in terms of at this particular uh, table here. Uh, there's a lot of discussions, and I'm, I'm thankful that there's a lot of discussions that's being had uh, offline directly in the neighborhood because that's where it should be happening. But uh, a lot of the criticism comes here before this committee, and I think it's imperative for uh, the public, the general public, those who are not in those uh, meetings within the neighborhood, those very important meetings in the neighborhood, it's important to have uh, that discussion publicly so that it uh, is is very transparent, uh, open, and it shows that uh, the community is being heard, whether folks agree with it or not. Um, so again, this item will be back before us, colleagues, if they're, if, if they're if agreed to, uh, a motion to bring back uh, this line item, at, excuse me, bring back this, close this public hearing and bring it back as a line item on April 13th, 2023. Is there a motion, colleagues? So moved. Thank you. There is a motion to uh, close out this public hearing and bring this uh, item back as a uh, agenda item on April 13th, 2023. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We shall now close out the 1020 public hearing. We'll now like to call back to order the 1030 public hearing. Will the parties who are participating please queue up? The 1030 public hearing is to establish an obsolete property rehabilitation district on behalf of 131 Harmon LLC in the area of 111 through 131 Harmon Street, Detroit, Michigan, in accordance with Public Act 146 of 2000. Will the parties who are participating, uh, when you see yourself on the screen, please introduce yourself for the record. Justice Cook, HRD. Good day. Casey Jackson, Detroit Economic Growth Corporation. Good day. Brandon Greer, 
131 Harmon, LLC. Good day. Is there anyone else? To the chair, there should be one other person, Damian Ellis. I know he had his hand raised before, but he's a part of the development team as well. Okay, Mr. Singletary. Uh, Mr. Ellis needs to accept the panelist's invite. He's declined a couple times. All right, thank you. Uh, we'll allow Mr. Ellis to introduce himself uh, when the time is appropriate for him to present. Um, but for now, we shall allow the presentation to begin. So who would like to start? I will. The floor is yours. To the chair, 131 Harmon LLC is requesting an obsolete property rehabilitation district in the area of 111-131 Harmon Street. The proposed project will rehabilitate a vacant property into a 15-unit apartment. The building will consist of 13 two-bedroom apartment units and two studio apartment units. The legislative body of a local qualified governmental unit may establish a district on its own initiative or upon written request filed by its owners. The DEGC and petitioner is present to answer any additional question. Thank you. Thank you. Who would like to proceed? To the chair, may I share my screen? Yes, you may. Uh-oh. All right. I'm sorry. Um, I am. Oh boy. I am so sorry. Uh, one, here we go. All right. <laughs> Apologies. No worries. Um, okay. So, uh, the redevelopment of 131 Harmon, um, is being led by Brandon Greer and Damian Ellis of 131 Harmon LLC. Uh, the development team, they're here today, they're asking for a district to be established for an obsolete property rehabilitation district. Uh, they are graduates of um, a leading community development financial institutions um, um, program called the Equitable Development Initiative. And out of that, they've actually got two other projects that we came here uh, to request uh, an abatement on, and this is the third. Uh, before we get into the details of the project, I just want to explain more in-depthly about the OPRA, how it works, and um, what the developer is paying today versus what they'll be looking at in the future. So the existing property taxes on the property are $11,494, and that's shown here in the first column of year zero. So the dark green is what they currently pay. And then to the right of that, you'll see in year one um, that that amount increases drastically. And that's the result of the developer making a $1.2 million investment into the building. And after they make that investment, the assessor goes out, reassesses the property, and um, the taxes are going to increase. So what they're looking at is roughly $29,500 of taxes. And they're still going to pay that dark green amount, so that $11,500. They're also going to pay a small portion of the increase, which is represented by the teal color. 
and that amount is an additional $2,500. So that brings the total taxes that they'll pay a year to about $14,000. And so the yellow portion is the amount that will be abated. And so that will continue for the life of uh, what is approved for the abatement itself. And then after uh, the abatement wears off, the developer is gonna be responsible for that full tax amount of that 29,000 and whatever that portion of the increase is in year seven. So the project is located just north of the North End. It's at Woodward and Harmon Street. Um, as I mentioned before, it's a $1.2 million investment. It's gonna bring to market 11,000 square feet of residential. Uh, as Mr. Cook stated before, there's gonna be 15 newly renovated residential units. The one bedroom units are gonna be roughly 700 square feet and the studio units are gonna be at 550 square feet. Uh, the developer is keeping essentially the same layout that was already there and rehabilitating um, the structure. The rental rates for all of the units range between 50% to 70% area median income. And um, that puts the monthly rate in between 850 to $1,200 per unit. And that includes parking. There is an additional cost for parking. That's $50 a month. But as I mentioned, um, even with the parking, they still fall well below uh, the 80% um, AMI rate. The building is pretty old. It's 100 years old. And the developer has to replace the essential mechanical and electrical systems. And as I mentioned, the layouts were excuse me, the layout will remain the same, but the building will be updated to feature new kitchens, drywall, bathrooms, and fixtures. And so the developer anticipates um, 10 new construction jobs coming out of this project and one full-time job once it's completed. Um, the district by itself does not constitute the abatement. The developer does have to come back and they have to um, apply for that certificate and it can only be approved by city council and the state tax commission. So we've evaluated the request of the developer and we've determined that the project does in fact uh, justify or show a need for an incentive. Um, and right now we don't make a recommendation as far as the term of that, but the developer is gonna come back at a later date and they're gonna ask um, for that in front of this honorable body. That completes my presentation. I'm gonna stop sharing the screen and the development team is here to answer um, any questions you have. And I believe they have a couple comments they wanna to make too. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Um, my name is Brandon Greer. I just want to start off by thanking um, you guys for the opportunity to present our project. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, I was born and raised in, in Detroit, uh, lifelong resident until I left to go to college um, at Baylor University. Work caused me to live, you know, several places around the country, Atlanta, LA, Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, I, I had a desire to come back home and be a part of the, the change and growth that I saw happening in the city. Um, and, you know, take some of the things I learned around the country and come apply it to um, real estate and communities I grew up in. Um, this is a, a project of mine, you know, not too far from neighborhood I grew up in and uh, very passionate about, you know, reactivating it in the community for um, people to enjoy a nice newly renovated place. Um, I'll let 
Damien take the floor and speak to the project a little more. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Damien Ellis. Uh, Brandon spoke um, a lot about the project uh, in general already. Um, my background, I was born and raised in Detroit. I went to high school at University of Detroit Jesuit High School with uh, Brandon Greer. That's where we met. We've partnered on quite a few projects, um, two of which Casey mentioned um, during her presentation. I'm excited about this project as well. Um, and we can get um, into the specifics. Casey um, went through some of it, but I, if I could share my screen, I wanted to, at the very least, just show um, the exterior of the, the building and then the floor plans, if I could. Yes, the floor is um, yours. You, you have been granted privilege. Can you see my screen? Uh, I see us on the screen. So, yes. All right, so I'll start with the... the addendum to the petition so you could at least see where this is located and I will pull this up. So um these are the parcels. This is yeah, we'll, we'll, the need that zoomed out a, we'll need that zoomed out a little bit more because zoom out? Well yeah because we can't see it. It's very small. Just tell me when to stop. No zoom zoom in. Zoom in then, zoom in. I said it wrong. Zoom in. Is that enough? Let's go one more, two more. All right, that's better. Now we can see a little bit more where, you, where you're talking because we can now read the streets. <laughs> All right, so this is the actual location where um, the property will be on Harmon and it is in between Rosedale and uh, Trowbridge um and it is just east of woodward or west or east of woodward um and then the satellite view is here um what is boxed in is the actual building but we own the um the two adjacent properties that will be used for parking off street parking um, and this is just the current picture of the photo are the photos of the building. Um, I'll just go into the floor plan. So this is more exterior um, setup that shows the parking. And this is the, the breakout of the two parcels that we're converting into off-street parking. With this being the 11,000 square foot building that we're going to renovate, um, mostly um, just renovating the existing structure as is, but doing a full renovation of it. Um, and then here are the, the floor plans. So you have your two bedrooms, and this is the layout where um, the bedrooms are adjacent to each other. You have the living room space and the uh, the kitchen and dining room, which is an open concept of the kitchen and dining room. Um, and I mean, just let me know if you have questions. I'll go into the detail of it and, and then go back to 
um, the floor plan. I, I think so. Eleven thousand square foot building. We're building uh, fifteen uh, apartments. We're renovating fully. Um, two of them will be studio. Thirteen will be um, two bedroom. As Casey stated earlier, um, the two bedroom studios would be five hundred and fifty square feet, and the two bedrooms will be seven hundred square feet. And we're um, gutting the building down to the studs and doing a full rehab of it. Um, so. Um, like all new amenities, new roof, um, everything is going to be brand new in the building. All mechanicals brand new as well. Um, and the project estimate right now is $1.1 million uh, for the renovation. And as Casey said, we'll come back with the request of how long we want the, um, the Oprah for. And I think Brandon can speak to um, any of the specifics that you have with the floor plan that I cannot answer. And I just, are there any questions? There will be. Uh, are you done with your presentation, sir? Uh, I'm done, yes. Okay, thank you so much. We will now go, if we can take the screen share off, please. Bless you. Uh, we'll now go to Q&A from colleagues. Colleagues, any questions, concerns, comments regarding this particular project? Member Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, so to the developers, just curious to know when you actually acquired the building and if the building was occupied when you acquired it. So the building was acquired in late 2019 and there were people squatting in there and, you know, it was two, two units that were occupied. Um, one of them was a, a family a mother with two young kids and they were living there without um, any running water and things like that. And we were able to work with a, a local nonprofit organization to get them into safe housing. Um, the other gentleman that was living there, he just kind of, we, we were working with him to try to find him a better option as well. He kind of just disappeared and we lost contact. So. Okay. Thank you. And um, so I saw the 550 square feet and 700 square feet. Are you changing the floor plan that currently exists or are the units the same size currently? Yeah, the, unit, the units are that size. We're keeping the, the current layout as is. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Any additional colleagues? I've got a few. Um, in terms of the affordable units, I ask this all the time, where are they going to be located? Uh, it looks like a two-story two building there we're looking at. Yeah, I, I believe as it is, you know, all of our units are affordable. So um, I don't know if that answers your question. To the chair, that's correct. Uh, Brandon is correct. All of the units are affordable. Okay. Talk to us again about what the rent's going to be. Maybe I, I can speak to the rent right now. What we've built in the model for these two studio apartments, they'd be below 900. We've modeled them them in at uh, 800, and then the two bedroom units would be below 1200 per unit, 
we've modeled them in at uh, $1,150 okay. with the uh, $50 um, parking. Okay. And I was going to ask, you know, you know, we ask always about parking as well, the need for uh, charging those folks who are uh, on your facility, at your facility, renting your facility uh, for parking. What's, talk to us about the need for that. Uh, though it is $50, that's not as high as some other places. But talk to us about why that is a desire and a need. Um, just, well, Brandon can speak to it more, but mainly maintenance and then the security of it, but mainly um, maintenance. And it's, as you stated, it, it, it's well below what other um, apartments are charging in the area. Um, and I think in the city in general and where, where there is parking uh, par charges. And even with the parking included for all units, we, we still, every single unit falls well below the 80% AMI threshold. Yeah, and you know, if you, you look at the picture shown, like right now, we, uh, we had the building and then we went and acquired the lots next to it, which, you know, were just vacant lots with, you know, shrubbery, and uh, grass that we will have to build out, fence in. And then there's also the the expense for the water drainage, which is our number one reason for kind of charging for it. Okay. And uh, I wasn't able to really get a good look at the uh, what, what the parking would look like based on the designs that you had here. My question is, and I believe I, I, I believe I know this answer, but just want to hear it now. This project will be coming back to us for some additional um, uh, incentive. Is that correct? To the chair, um, they'll be coming back for the certificate at a later date. That's what I thought. Okay. All right. Um, look to have additional conversations about that to get a better understanding of what the uh, parking will look like. Um, any additional from colleagues? Seeing none, we shall now go to public comment. If there's anyone from the public who would like to speak on the 1030 public hearing, please raise your hand now. If there's anyone who would like to speak on the 1030 public hearing, please raise your hand now. Going once, going twice, going three times. Collection of public comments have now closed for the 1030 public hearing. That's line item eight. Mr. Singletary, how many callers do we have and who do we have first? Everyone will get one minute. Mr. Chair, we have six callers via Zoom, beginning with Motor City Rue. Motor City Rue, the floor is yours. You have one minute regarding the 1030 public hearing. Uh, again, um, I, I'm listening to these, these uh, numbers and uh, the, the stats I'm hearing from LPD. And they, are y'all checking into this, these different um, hearings? Hold on one second. There was nothing that was presented by LPD in this particular pro, pro, proposal. So again, if you want to stay on subject, we'll allow you to do so. But if you just want to rant, we're going to have to move forward. We'll give well, you the remainder of your 47 seconds, sir. Okay, well, I don't think it's a rant for me to raise the caution that these hearings be, are you looking into the subject matter? Now you taking one thing I say and jump into conclusion. Are you looking into the subject matter? matter? Are you actually, is this committee checking these facts? Because y'all the planning economic, economic development hearing. No, I'm not talking to you, man. I'm talking to this planning economic uh, economic development hearing. Are you guys double checking these facts? 
And the reason I said LBD, because I heard the number of things that didn't add jive. But you, as the chairman, James E. Tate, are you looking into this stuff? Or are you just passing this stuff on? Because what I'm hearing about these hearings and all of them is the same BS. All right, thank you. Next caller, please. The next caller is Miss Cindy Dara. Miss Cindy Dara, thank you for joining us. You have one minute. The floor is yours regarding the 1030 public hearing line item eight. Yeah, uh, I just uh, got two things real quick. I want you to hit, uh, pass an ordinance when they build something new. They're going to have a parking lot. They need to put a cistern under there, catch the stormwater off the lot and the building, the impervious surface of the roof, put it into that cistern and use that to flush the toilets like they did at Forest Arms Apartment at Forest and Second when they rehabbed that after it burned. And they, they it's so far, I've talked to them not for a year, but it's working. But new construction, it should have that. I go to D, uh, the Detroit Film Theater, I go down to the bathroom, I measure the steps, they're about five inches high and about nine or 10 inches deep. I've been in a house that this plumber friend owns. The steps are too steep. They're not deep enough. And make sure. Thank you so much, ma'am. Next caller, please. The next caller is Mr. Stephen Haring. Stephen Haring, the floor is yours. You have one minute regarding line item eight, the 1030 public hearing. Hi, how's it going? Um here to talk about the Northland um, or the North End Landing. Um, sorry, sir, we, we've already concluded that particular public hearing. This is regarding the presentation that we just viewed. Um, this is 131 Harmon LLC. Floor um, yours if you want to awesome. speak on that. No, I think that's a really great development. The previous one, I love that it's a local African American developer. Um, yeah, no, I really am in support of that. Eh, I think it's very important to um, restore some um, of the developments um, or and the decaying buildings that really made the soul of the city. Yeah, so I'm in support. Yeah. All right, thank you. Next caller, please. The next caller is D2 victimized city retiree. D2 victimized city retiree, the floor is yours regarding the 10 to 30 public hearing line item eight. Hello? Hello? Okay. Um, line item eight. Um, do these guys, do we build any um, um, ADA compliant? All we, we're doing is building apartments now. We're not doing any single homes for the low income, not moderate, low income. Now, Accessible, the, we still got to do accessible, ADA accessible. Um, and that means that you can get, that means sidewalk, that means parking lots. Um, that doesn't have to necessarily mean inside of the building, but it has to be, people have to be, my mom may want to come over and she may be, uh, you know, not able to walk up the stairs. So they got to still make it accessible. And then the storm, the parking lots are going to need some green. You know, you're going to have to have some foliage. You're going to have to have some lip. You're going to do something to that lot. You're going to have to make it, um, bring it up to code and make it storm. Um, make sure it drains proper. Thanks. Thank you. Next caller, please. The next caller is Miss Marguerite Maddox. Miss Marguerite Maddox, thank you for joining us. The floor is yours. 
Marguerite Maddock, are you there? Miss Marguerite Maddock, are you there? We'll put Miss Maddock at the end of the queue and then bring her back at the end. Next caller, please. The next caller is titled Community Engagement. Uh, community engagement. Thank you for joining us. The floor is yours regarding the 1030 public hearing. Line item eight. Can you hear me? We can. Wonderful. And thank you for having this hearing. What I'd like to know is um, I understand right now it's too late to address the North End Landing. So do I write City Council? Who do I write in regards to this? Uh, you can send it to your uh, council member that represents the district where you live. You can send it to uh, all council members, emails, or you can send it to the clerk's office and it would be placed on public record as well. Okay, and sh shall I say that it's for public record or will it automatically be put on public record? No, you can put on there and re request it to be on public record. Okay, and then today you were discussing um, for the North. Right now, we, I'm, I'm sorry, we're literally in the midst of the public hearing for line item eight. And so we can only speak on that particular line item during public comments. I just want to, so you, you if you have any additional it. questions, you can always give my office a call at 313-224-1027. Right. Repeat that, please. 313-224-1027. And thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Next caller, please. Mr. Chair, we are returning to Ms. Marguerite Maddox. Ms. Marguerite Maddox. Thank you again for joining us. The floor is yours regarding line item eight. Ms. Mag, are, are you there? We're gonna have to move on if, if we don't hear from you. Ms. Maddox, are you there? Unfortunately, Ms. Maddox, we're going to have to move on. If you have any comment that you want to provide to this body, please feel free uh, to send it to the clerk's office, and it will be placed on public record. Uh, you can always reach out to our offices as well. And that concludes the public comment for line item 8. Again, that's the 1030 public hearing. Colleagues, is there a motion, or do you have any additional questions, comments, concerns regarding line item 8? Is there a motion, colleagues? Thank you. Uh, move to send line item eight to formal with the recommendation to approve, Mr. Chair. There's a motion to send line item eight to formal with the recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Thank you. Uh, we now close out the 1030 public hearing. All right, colleagues, we got about 30 minutes to wrap up the agenda before the next committee comes in. I believe we will be able to do that. Unfinished business, line item 9.1, status of council member Gabriela Santiago Romero, uh, submitting memorandum relative to the status of the update, uh, status update on the properties located at 3600 and 3564 Toledo. We did have an opportunity to speak to member Santiago Romero's office and they are requesting a receive and file of the document that they were provided. Is there a motion? Move to receive and file line item 9.1.
There's a motion to receive and file line item 9.1, seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Colleagues, if we can please take line items 9.2 through 9.4 together. Uh, these three line items are memos, and quite honestly, all three of them are being requested for a one-week bring back. Uh, nine, and I'll just mention them, and then I'll open up for any, rec any uh, recommendations of motions. Line item 9.2 is uh, status of Council Member Mary Sheffield submitting member, excuse me, Council President Mary Sheffield, Sheffield submitting memorandum relative to income protection ordinance. Line item 9.3 is status of Council President Mary Sheffield submitting memorandum relative to community lot endorsement resolution. Uh, and line item 9.4, uh, status of Coleman, uh, Council Member Coleman A. Young II submitting memorandum relative to request for information regarding affordable housing units constructed, available, and the number of occupied by AMI for each unit. Again, these items uh, still need some time uh, for responses and one week, one week request for bringbacks uh, were requested for uh, line items 9.2 through 9.4. Is there a motion? Move to bring back line items 9.2 to 9.4 and one week. As a motion to bring back line items 9.2 through 9.4 and one week. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Line item 9.5, status of planning and development department, uh, submitting resolution authorization for property sale at 22736, 22740, and 22746 Finkel. Uh, is there a motion to discuss, please? So moved. Thank you. Um, I did have an opportunity, we had an opportunity to speak with uh, folks from the community as well as um, those within the department. Uh, planning and development department and I want to give them an opportunity to kind of talk about it but, but uh, honestly um, I am not in support of this particular item it is in the Brightmore community uh, I do believe that uh, there is sufficient spacing available for that particular gas station that's currently there now uh, they have eight pumps and uh, a huge space uh, on the side of that uh, and we're also in the process of a, a Brightmore framework uh, study and I Again, just for me as the council member representing the area, I do not, ha and speaking with residents, don't have any uh, evidence of this particular entity, not that it's required, but don't have any evidence of this particular uh, uh, purchaser uh, being a, um, uh, involved, uh, if you will, in uh, the, the community overall, uh, whether that is participation in any of the community associations, uh, it is right across the street from the Brightmore uh, Farmer's Market. Uh, and anyone can correct me if I'm, I'm incorrect in that, but in my conversations with folks from the community, that is uh, what I received as well. So uh, we'll give an opportunity for the department to explain why they, they believe that this uh, purchase is, uh, or this sale is one that will benefit uh, all parties in, involved, including the community. Uh, but I will say uh, right out front that I am uh, not in support of this particular land sale uh, for $8,690. I believe that this, this land could go to a, a better use as we move forward. So with the parties who are participating, uh, who have information on this particular item, uh, if you introduce yourself for the record, and the floor is yours. 
Okay, thank you. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon, uh, good afternoon everyone. Uh, Edwina King, Planet and Development Department. Good afternoon, ma'am. Through the chair, good afternoon. This is John Trong with the Housing and Revitalization Department within the Real Estate Division. Good afternoon. Uh, just again, I, I, I want to be fair. I mean, I gave it a couple of weeks <laughs> and I have talked to folks and again, there's been no real engagement with this particular entity and any of the various, they have a number of community associations in Brightmore. Um, and I just think that there's, you know, if, if in fact that there is a commitment moving forward, uh, there may be a difference of opinion, at least for me, and I don't know what colleagues will be on it, but as of right now, uh, I am not in support of this particular, um, this particular uh, land sale. Uh, anything to add from colleagues, anything to add from the presenters? All right, thank you all. Uh, is there a motion for line item 9.5, please? Uh, again, I, I would request a, a motion to deny. That's my request. I would move that uh, we take line item 9.5 and send to formal without recommendation. All right, there's a motion to send a line item 9.5 to formal without recommendation. Any opposed? Let the record reflect that council President Pro Tem, chair of the committee, is in deny is request is deny is in opposition of that request um, because I would like to see it denied. That action, the motion to send without recommendation, has been approved. Thank you so much. All right, line item nine point six: status of council member Mary Water submitting memorandum. Uh, regarding request for report relative to low income housing tax credit funding uh, colleagues there a motion to bring back uh, this item in two weeks uh, there's been a request uh, for that uh, by lpd so move as a motion to bring back line item 9.6 in two weeks seeing no objections that action shall be taken on to new business line item 10.1 uh, submitting resolution authorization contract number 6004881, grant funding to provide homeless strategic plan consulting services for the city of Detroit. Contractor Barbara Pope and Associates, LLC, location 340 Clinton Heights, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, this contract is for $436,132 for the parties who are Participating in this discussion, please queue up. Is there a motion to discuss, colleagues? So moved. Thank you. All right. For those who are participating, please introduce yourself for the record. Good afternoon. Tara Linsner, Homelessness Solutions Director in the Housing Revitalization Department. Good afternoon. I'll start off. I got a couple of questions myself regarding this item. First of all, why is it needed? Um, we've got a, a number of uh, experts here locally on the ground uh, who have been doing this work for a number of years. Um, I even look at you as someone who has a, a high level of expertise, uh, Ms. Lindsner, uh, for a contract of uh, $436,000 plus and this individual, regardless of the, uh, the, the, the credibility that they provide around the country, uh, what I read here indicates that the majority of the work that this individual will be doing will be virtual. Um, that is a major challenge for me. Um, 
and I just want to get some explanation of you know, why is this particular contract needed? Why is it wanted, desired? Because uh, right now it just does not, doesn't look good to me at all based on what I see in front of me personally. Sure, through the chair. So the city of Detroit um, in the homelessness sector consists of multiple partners. So we have housing revitalization. We have the Homeless Action Network of Detroit that serves in particular capacity. We have all of the service providers and the folks that we serve in those programs, um, along with other funders through the state of Michigan and philanthropic funders. We all coexist and we all need each other in order to meet the ultimate goal of end homelessness, but we don't have an agreed upon plan on how we are going to do it. We don't have agreed upon metrics as to what should success look like each year? What should success look like five years from now? Um, so we don't have any, we don't have a guiding framework for how we do this work in the city of Detroit. Other communities have similar frameworks. The state has a framework, but here in Detroit, we don't have anything to hold us accountable to, and we don't have anything to measure us to. And so this strategic plan um, proposal would, would help us do that. It would, um, it would bring together the service providers. It would bring together focus groups, folks who are in our emergency shelter programs, who are in street outreach programs, who are in rapid rehousing programs, to say what what should what should we be striving for in a year's time? What should we be striving for in five years' time? And then holding partners such as such as the city of Detroit's housing revitalization department, such as um, this, the continuum of care for homelessness accountable to meeting those measures. So we really need this framework to um, to drive our vision forward and to hold um, everyone accountable to the people that we're serving. Okay, thank you. And I, and I saw that it appears that those who bid on the contract, uh, you had one of them that was you know, far higher than I, I believe then in terms of the, the bid, uh, than this particular, the one who was awarded. And I have done a, just a bit of research on the individual's company that was awarded, uh, or yeah, that was awarded this contract. Um, question I have is what, what have you seen around the country in terms of like a change from what we've seen, uh, for instance, in Seattle or some other places where uh, Pope and Associates have provided uh, similar uh, plans uh, in, in, in those communities? And what makes us believe that we'll have different results or better results than what we've seen elsewhere? Sure, through the chair. Um, um, uh, Pro Tem, I just wanted to clarify, uh, this this con this contractor, Barbara Poppy and Associates, Poppy, was the highest it. scoring. They were the highest, highest scoring mm -hmm. application um, out of all of the bids. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so across the community, there, I mean, across the country, there are a number of different challenges with homelessness, depending upon, um, depending upon geography, depending on poverty levels, depending on housing resource availability. Um, I think, I think what I, I think the reason why this, why this strategic planning contract is so important is because Without it, we're, we're guideless. And so um, other communities have strategic plans that they're measuring themselves against and they're working towards as a collective to say, if we wanna have a philanthropic partner to come in and invest a million dollars in ending homelessness, how should that million dollars be invested? What is the best way? If we have a strategic plan, 
we can say this is what the community has said we we're prioritizing we're valuing and so investments in homelessness need to need to um, adhere to the strategic plan and they need to elevate the goals that are set within it um, another part of the strategic plan process is actually the implementation framework which will happen at the end of the planning process that'll say like, okay, community, here's your strategic plan, here are your goals. Now here's how you're going to need to accomplish these goals. And here's what you're gonna have to do to move this work forward. So I know, I know it, I mean, each community is gonna have a different plan because of what's happening in their own, in their own area. But without a plan, we're all kind of just doing what we think is best and coordinating to the best degree that we can, but we don't have this agreed upon this agreed upon blueprint for how we're going to work on ending homelessness um, that we're signing on altogether. Thank you for that. But that. again, the question I have though is in, in terms of uh, plans uh, that we've seen around the country that have been implemented, can you show us any examples where we've seen the uh, results that we hope to see here in the city of Detroit? Because as you mentioned, there are a number of challenges uh, in those multiple communities that have had uh, similar framework plans, we have our own set of very you know, challenging uh, issues that we have to address here. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and I'm saying just from you know, my many years here on city council, we've seen a number of plans uh, and some of them have been put on the shelf and some of it happens when new administrations come in. Some of it happens when new directors come in. So can you talk to us again just about this uh, an example of somewhere around the country, and I'll just look at this particular um, company. You said uh, Poppy and Associates. From their plans or any other framework plans in dealing with homelessness, uh, can you give us any examples where we have seen a level of success uh, in coordination, in the reversal of, or the improving situation in, in terms of the overall homelessness uh, population in, in those municipalities. I, I don't see it, I don't have it, it has not been presented. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but what I'm saying is mm -hmm. it has not been presented to us, uh, which again makes me feel very uncomfortable for this particular contract. Any examples? For the chair, so I absolutely can get you those examples. I don't have them, I, I'm struggling right now to, I don't, I, I'm not at my desk, so I will absolutely get you that example sent over to your office today. Okay. And I see a hand raised, but I'm going to go, before I go to you, uh, Member Vice Chair, my screen, there he is. Uh, Ms. Merchant, if you can introduce yourself for the record, and then the floor is yours. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, good afternoon, Honorable Body. I'm Sophia Merchant. I'm a policy analyst with the City of Detroit's Housing and Revitalization Department. I work with Tara Linsner on um, this proposed project. Uh, through the chair, we will get you um, more specific information on the outcomes of some of those plans. But one example is that um, one of the members of this team was the architect of um, DC's Homeward DC plan, which was a homelessness response system. And over her time at the district, they experienced a 39% reduction in homelessness, including a 73% reduction in homelessness among families. That's just an example of the kind of experience that this team brings with a national lens, but we can get you also a few more examples of that from their plans. 
um, through the chair, I would also like to address a point that you made earlier about um, the virtual aspect of this. So the contracting team will be making on, on um, in-person site visits to Detroit, talking with sh um, families who live in shelter, providers, frontline staff, um, people at HRD at the city, um, residents who have experienced homelessness and have been through the system. So the contracting, the consulting team is a facilitator and bring a national perspective on best practices, but from beginning to end of this project, um, the priorities that will be elevated and the voices that will be elevated will be Detroiters, specifically those who have also experienced homelessness in our city, just to clarify. Thank you so much. Uh, Member Vice Chair. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And, and uh, I, I guess one of the questions uh, that I have, you know, one, they're a out-of-state contractor. Uh, and we are going to them uh, for assistance or to provide a strategic plan uh, and consulting services for homelessness in the city of Detroit. They're based out of Columbus, which, by the way, I don't know. I'm not a real big numbers guy, but I think they have an increase of about 19% in homelessness in their area already. Uh, so when it comes to you know us hiring a contractor, it is good to know what their strategic plan is. Uh, would like to see some effective outcomes, particularly for their region. If their region is increasing in homelessness, I, I wonder what kind of information they can provide us for our city. So uh, if we can get some of those numbers, uh, you know, that would be great, particularly if we are uh, going to uh, or, or we're being asked to approve a contractor that's outside of the city. Uh, we'd like to see some, and I'm not don't mean to just speak for my colleagues, but I'm sure they feel mm -hmm. the same. We'd like to see uh, what some of those outcomes have been uh, in their own region where they're housed uh, and, and recognizing, you know, obviously uh, in Columbus, who has now a population close to one, one million, they're about at 900,000. Uh, they have about 2,000 folks who are homeless. So, yes, that's a smaller number than our homeless population uh, since we last counted, which is close to, it's over 7,000, close to 10,000. Right. Um, but but still would like to know, again, how, how are they doing that in their own area if we are to select a contractor outside of the state to solve this issue here? So through the chair, um, just to clarify, uh, so the Columbus address is based on just a um, where like Barbara, the primary contractor resides. Um, they have not worked um, on Columbus-based strategic plans, to my knowledge. Um, Barbara herself has been um, like the head of um, federal agencies related to homelessness, so a lot of their work has taken place in other places like um, Houston, Austin, Baltimore, um, a few entities in California. So I don't think um, I can double check that uh, they have any kind of relevance to what's happening in Columbus itself. Um, but we can get you metrics and reports back on what's happened in the cities in which they have worked. Thank and through, you. And through you, Mr. Chair. And I appreciate you for uh, clearing that information up as well. So you're sure. saying they're housed in Columbus, uh, but they obviously, I, I would imagine they do work across the country. But if you could get that information, that, that would be great. Uh, so we know where we are. Uh, and even, you know, to compare it to cities that have uh, a population of homeless uh, or indigent folks such as mm -hmm. Detroit. Uh, I think that provides a little bit more context 
um, for us upon approval. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Vice Chair. Member Johnson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I share the same sentiments as my colleagues. Um, as I was reviewing this information, what's being elevated for me is that we're bringing someone in to do a strategic plan. Granted, it is a strategic plan that's relative to homelessness in the city of Detroit, but that individual is going to work with the local lived experience consultants, which I would venture to say, right, it's the indigent population. So are we not able to find someone here locally that can do a strategic plan and work with HRD and recognizing the work that you all already do around homelessness? I, I've read some of her articles, um, good information that's being uplifted in her articles, but I still don't necessarily see the need to consult with her. Um, and I say her because this is one person uh, and she's working with subcontractors. Are we not able to find anyone here locally or as Pro Tem indicated, have someone from HRD to lead the work um, to get the same information? We can look around the country and identify different things that have been done that help, helped to improve or to address uh, homelessness in their respective cities uh, and, and potentially implement some of those ideas here in the city of Detroit once we've had an opportunity to connect with and work with the population that is dealing with homelessness. And we know that, you know, we see numerous people that come before city council that we could probably sit down and have a conversation with. But I, I venture to think that we can find someone here that can work with us to do a strategic plan, if not someone in-house. Through, through the chair, um, when we were drafting this request for proposals, we um, included uh, service providers and folks with lived experience to draft the proposal. When we received the bids for proposals, we had the same service providers and ho households experiencing homelessness or had experience, previous experience of um, homelessness, review all of the applications and score all of the applications. And that review committee lifted up and 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 scored Barbara Poppy and Associates at the, the highest um uh, the highest in that competitive review process. I do want to say that that the work the actual so Barbara Poppy and Associates her consultants are going to provide the direction and the leadership and some of the manpower behind actually the writing and the and the development but the the plan is actually going to be developed by those service providers, by staff at housing revitalization, by folks who are in emergency shelters and have experienced the homelessness like the plan is going to be built and led by Detroiters the Barbara Poppy consultant team is providing that additional expertise how to look at our data differently um, they have uh, the skill set in actually developing the strategic plan as well as the implementation plan and all of that is being done as a as with the community. So we were very intentional when, from the very beginning about making this, because this has to be a community plan that the community buys into. And so they need to be at the decision-making table every step of the way. And so that's why we've involved our, our nonprofit service providers and, and others um, in both the RFP development and the selection of the consultant that was that is brought before you today. Um, so we will be at the table 100% along the way, housing revitalization, other leaders in the homelessness sector are going to be part of a steering committee that's going to be meeting on a regular basis, that's going to be providing direction. Um, so 
we will definitely, we are definitely part of this process. Uh, through the chair, um, oh, sorry. Nope. May I add something through, through the chair? Thanks. Um, to Council Member Johnson, um, I think it's also important to kind of in con put in context what the work of the consultants is doing and how it adds to the system. And so Barbara, this is a team of consultants she's assembled, but it's not her doing only the work. It's um, a whole team of people and they're helping things with like doing system modeling. So understanding what's the right staff funding programmatic structures that would give us the best outcomes for residents in Detroit. They're helping us look into HMIS data and comparing that to other localities to understand how do our outcomes compare to others. So it's it's a little bit um, of, a, of a more refined skill set and expertise that goes beyond just like a best practices scan. Um, I will also say that I think in other communities who do strategic plans, you're often not using a entity from your own locality because you need to have a neutral actor facilitate. You know, we are all funders of the system. We're all partners in the system with vested interests in the system. And so it, sometimes it can be difficult to have meaningful and honest and authentic conversations about where there should be areas of improvement and who's responsible and accountable for that without a trusted neutral mediator between all of these entities. And that's why often when strategic plans are deployed in other communities, they're often from outside of the community. They're a, a different firm who's not actively working in the homelessness system in the in the city in question. Well, thank, thank you for adding that perspective. Um, I do look forward to some reports where uh, this particular vendor has worked in other cities and the, the results that those cities have seen as a result of the work that she's done. Um, I do still have some reservations around moving this forward, uh, just to put that on the record, but thank you all. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Uh, it feels like there's some unreadiness uh, to support this particular uh, item today, and there's additional information that uh, we have requested to come before us uh, and to give you an opportunity to do that. Um, uh, I think we, you know, I think we want to allow you to, uh, an opportunity to do that. I, I, I think I'm still going to feel how I feel <laughs> um, based on what I've seen, but we'll you know, entertain now for any motions on the floor. Uh, Mr. Chair, noting that there is some information that I, I think we requested uh, and would like to have before moving this forward, I would like to request a bring back uh, for, for this to afford the opportunity to get some of those questions answered. Uh, maybe some metrics, you know, give us some examples of successes that they have had uh, before we move this contract forward. Uh, again, this is uh, someone who is located outside uh, of our city, uh, a contractor outside of our city, uh, but would like to see if we are going to move that forward, what, have, what has been their success uh, doing the work that they do. So, uh, I, I, how, through you, Mr. Chair, uh, how long do you think it would take to get that information back here to our committee? Um, through the chair uh, to council member Durhall, I believe. Um, We're gonna reach out to the vendor in question um, today and uh, give her an update and, um, and specific questions about metrics and outcomes from different communities that they've worked in. So I'm hope we'll make that urgent request today. It might take, um, by the end of this week to get the necessary statistics. Okay, uh, so Mr. Chair, it sounds like it's gonna take a quick second. So I, I'd like to make a motion if I can 
uh, to bring uh, this line item back 10.1 in two weeks uh, to afford the opportunity uh, for them to grab or to get that information. Thank you, sir. There's a motion to bring back line item 10.1 in two weeks. See no objections. That action shall be taken. Thank you. Line item 10.2, submitting resolution authorization for contract number 3059228, 100% city funding to provide an increase in funds and add properties for water line replacement services for the Bridging Neighborhoods Program. Is there a motion to discuss and or approve? Thank you, Mr. Chair. I'm very familiar with this information. I don't have any uh, other questions. I don't believe Member Johnson has either. So with that, I make a motion to send line item 10.2 with a recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send line item 10.2 to formal with a recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Colleagues, uh, if we can take up line item, not, uh, excuse me, 10.3 and 10.4 together. Uh, both of these items are regarding uh, annual sign waiver. Uh, we did have an opportunity to speak with the law department and they are requesting an eight week bring back, that's two months, eight week bring back for both line items 10.3 and 10.4. Is there a motion to bring those items back or discussion? So move. There, there's a motion to bring, bring back. Bring back those line items within eight weeks. There's a motion to bring back line items 10.3 and 10.4 in eight weeks. Seeing no objection, that action shall be taken. All right, dropping down to line item 10.5, submitting resolution authorization approval and authorization to acquire 3106 16th Street, Detroit, Michigan, from Detroit Public Schools Community District for $460,000. Colleagues, we are right up against the clock on this particular item, and I do have some concerns uh, on it. Uh, we do have our uh, illustrious colleague who's coming in is going to gavel. Um, are, are you, you can give us a couple of minutes or... No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm on your clock. I'm going to gavel in, gavel out. You want to keep going and come back? Do you want me to go away and come back? Or? I think we got two items, so we should be able to okay, push through. So, so if you allow us to, no, you, no, once you, once you gavel. Cool. Okay. No, 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 just we'll, we'll gavel in first. And then, oh, 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 yeah, at okay. one I didn't know how you, I thought you wanted me to ghost out real quick. No, right. no, 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 you're here. Not yet, not yet. It's almost, we're almost there. Oh, okay. All right, uh, and now we are here. <laughs> 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 Before you go, we'd like to recess the Planning and Economic Development Standing Committee to the call of the chair. Neighborhood and Community Services Standing Committee is now begins. With the clerk, please call the roll. Councilmember Young II. Here. Councilmember Whitfield Galloway. Councilmember Benson. Thank Mr. you with chair. that. Oh, go ahead. You do not have a call. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Appreciate that. And now with that, the Neighborhood and Community Resources Standing Committee will now adjourn. Thank you, Member Chair. We appreciate it. Um, we are... No, sir. Did I say it wrong? Excuse me. I yes. I, I Mr. Young. Did I say it wrong? What, what you really meant to say was you'll recess to the call of the chair. Recess. Okay. To well, the call of the chair. Okay. I'm wearing orthopedic shoes. I stand corrected. We will recess at the call of the chair, Neighborhood Community Services Standing Committee. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Thank Powers. You. Thank, Thank you, you Dr. sir. Powers.
We'll now like to call back to order the Planning and Economic Development Standing Committee. Will the clerk please call the roll? Yes, sir. Council President Pro Tem Tate. Here. Council Member Gerald the Third. Present. Council Member Johnson. Present. Mr. Chair. You do have a quorum. Thank you. We have a quorum, which means we're now back in session. Uh, we are on line item 10.5. And uh, colleagues, is there a motion to discuss, please, line item 10.5? So moved. This is, again, for approval and authorization to acquire 3106 16th Street, Detroit, Michigan, from the Detroit Public Schools Community District for $460,000. For the parties who have information on this item, please introduce yourself for the record. Hi, good afternoon. My name is Kate Humphrey. I'm with the Housing and Revitalization Department. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is Brian Cohen with the City of Detroit Law Department. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Alexis Alexander, also with HRD, Choice Neighborhoods Project Manager. Good afternoon. Uh, if you will, talk to the public and let them know what this item is, please, before us. Um, through the chair. Uh, we are seeking uh, use of CDBG funds um, to acquire uh, currently vacant land in the North Corktown community. This is the site of the former Owen Academy School. Um, this particular space is critical uh, to our Choice Neighborhoods Implementation Grant Neighborhood Strategy. Um, we have been working uh, with DPSCD, who is the current owner of the site, um, to obtain this land. Um, it will further the creation of amenities to benefit the community, um, creating additional seats for early childhood education, uh, current community organizations, and retail. Thank you. My, my, my question is, how was uh, IFF chosen as a, a partner in this uh, project? Uh, to the chair, um, IFF has been working uh, with the city of Detroit uh, since uh, we began working on the choice application in 2020. Uh, they have been uh, helping us to understand the need for early childhood education. And as we've been working to pull together the plans uh, for this site, for the land um, that, that this particular resolution relates to, uh, they will be assisting us in engaging the community further, um, as well as some of the pre-development um, and architectural design for the center. All right, thank you for that. And, and also, how, how did we settle in on a uh, $460,000 price tag for that property? Uh, through the chair, I can address that point. That is the current appraised value for the property. There was an appraisal completed um, first in the summer of 2020, and then again, um, towards the end of 2021 that provided that valuation, and that is consistent with DPSED's policy to always sell their property at appraised value. And so we made our offer at that price, and that's um, what was accepted and reflected in our purchase agreement. Thank you. Colleagues, any further on uh, uh, line item 10.5? Seeing none, is there a motion? Move to take line item 10.5 and send a formal with the recommendation to approve. There's a motion to send line item 10.5 to formal with a recommendation to approve. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Line item 10.6, thank you all. Line item 10.6, meeting resolution authorization for property sale by the Detroit Land Bank Authority to Bedford Development LLC. Uh, is there a motion to discuss, please? So moved. Thank you. 
All right, uh, I know this item is located in District 4. Uh, Member Johnson, any questions, concerns, comments that you have on this particular item? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, yes, uh, we actually have a number of concerns relative to this item. Um, this particular developer has worked on a number of properties throughout District 4. I've received numerous complaints about uh, their, their, their work. Uh, and so I'd like to have an opportunity to connect with the developer to flush out those concerns that we've received from the community even prior to receiving this uh, property sale request. Um, so I would like to make a motion to request a two-week bring back to give me that opportunity to speak with the developer, with the uh, constituents, and the Detroit Land Bank Authority. Thank you, ma'am. As a motion uh, for a two-week bring back on line item 10.6, seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Uh, line item 10.7, Council President Pro Tem James Tate submitting memorandum relative to Detroit to the District Detroit questions. Uh, colleagues, is there a motion to refer uh, line item 10.7 to the Jobs and Economy team and bring back in one week? So moved. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Line item 10.8, Council President Mary Sheffield submitting memorandum relative to DPS and library exemption for District Detroit. Is there a motion to refer line item 10.8 to LPD and bring back in one week? So moved. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken, and that takes us to the end of the agenda. Colleagues, uh, is there a motion to suspend member reports, or is there a report? Uh, Mr. Chair, uh, first, uh, I would like to state, uh, thank you, Mr. Chair, let me say that. First, I would like to state, um, on line item 9.5, which we already sent to formal with a without recommendation, uh, I want to clarify what my motion is, so we'll have to reconsider. But uh, I wanted to ensure that we sent it with a recommendation to deny, uh, as opposed to without recommendation. Uh, so I'd like to make a motion uh, to reconsider the vote on line item 9.5. Thank you, sir. There's a motion to reconsider the vote for line item nine. Point, I see Mr. Todd, I see your hand raised before we go into that. Is that for another item? Okay. So uh, there's a motion to reconsider the vote for line item 9.5. Any objections? Seeing none, that action shall be taken. Uh, is there a motion for line item 9.5? Mr. Chair? Yes, ma'am. The motion you need to make now the is reconsideration. Uh, send it to send it to formal session without recommendation and then vote that down. Is there a motion to send line item 9.5 to formal without recommendation? Objection. Uh, objection for me as well. Objection. There are three objections out of the committee. Madam Clerk, it looks like that item fails. Now, Mr. Chair, I'd like to make a motion to send line item 9.5 to formal with a recommendation to deny. Thank you, sir. There's a motion to send line item 9.5 to formal with a recommendation to deny. Any objections? Seeing none, that action shall be taken. Thank you very much, Member Vice Chair. Uh, Mr. Todd, before we wrap up, we're in overtime. <clears throat> Sorry, Mr. Chair, members of the committee. Just to clarify with respect to uh, line items 
10.3 and 10.4, you indicated the law department was requesting an additional eight weeks. You brought it to bring it back in eight weeks, but we're just noting the items had not been for, had not been referred to law. If you would, in fact, like to refer them to law first, uh, since that step didn't seem to have been taken. Uh, Mr. Ty, which items are those again? I'm, been, I'm, I'm referring to the sign waiver report from PNDD 10.4 and the corresponding report from the Planning Commission 10.3. All right. Thank you so much. We all look out for each other. We appreciate it. Colleagues, there a motion to refer line items 10.3 and 10.4 to the Law Department? So moved. There's a motion to uh, refer line items 10.3 and 10.4 uh, to the Law Department. And as mentioned, we will bring those items back in eight weeks. Seeing no objection, thanks again, Mr. Todd. Thank you all. Thank you. Uh, any further colleagues? Move to yes, Mr. Reed. Chair. Uh, Madam Clerk. I'm so sorry, sir. Yes, On that last item before the memory reports. Yes, ma'am. The uh, 10.8. Yes, ma'am. that back in one week. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you. There's a... I think I heard there was a motion to suspend member reports. So moved. Yes. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Is there a motion to adjourn, colleagues? So moved. Seeing no objections, that action shall be taken. Thank you so much for your patience and your participation. God bless, and we'll see you next time. This meeting is now adjourned. <laughs>